This week, the main thrust of today's topic is madcap British inventor himself, claimed to invent a death ray, Harry Grindle Matthews. Keyword being claimed. Claimed. <laughs> Some evidence. Yeah. There's a little bit. So we're, we're going to have, have a talk about him. Um, let's say hello to some uh, returning listeners. To Lima, Peru, Kirkville, New York, Wars Engine, United Kingdom, Bangalore Engine's back. Karachi, Pakistan, got the Indian Pakistan market down. <laughs> Gig Harbour, that's a cool name for a town. <laughs> Brown Lake, Leeds, Janesville, Wisconsin, Telford yeah. number six, Columbus, Ohio. No Flint, Michigan this week, we're very disappointed in you. Solihull, that's the posh part of Birmingham. Is it? Is it posh? Ish. There's a posh, posh part of Birmingham. Everything's relative. There's a posh <laughs> part of Birmingham. There's, there's several, actually. Is there? Yeah, it's very shocking. I've been to the bit where all the villa players live, I suppose. That's, that's the, it. Think about it. All, uh, the, uh, yeah. the, all the rich people have got to live somewhere. Not in Birmingham, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> On the outskirts. <laughs> Before we get into the main thrust of today's topic, we will crack on with some weird news. Facebook Live. Hello, audience. Let's get the boys' views on this week's weird news. What we got first then. Congress receives classified briefing on UFO encounters with US Navy. The Pentagon has provided a classified briefing to members of Congress about reported encounters by US Navy pilots with unidentified aircraft, some of which were said to have no visible engines and could reach hypersonic speeds. Aliens. <laughs> Earlier this year, a number of pilots reported seeing the objects on an almost daily basis from the summer of 2014 to March 2015 while flying Navy jets off the East Coast. Some of these encounters were even captured on video, leading the Navy to announce it had, been up, it had updated the way pilots were to formally identify the, the incidents. I'm not surprised if it's daily. Well, yeah. That's a lot. I think I heard on, it might have been on that Bob Lazar interview. I tried listening uh, to that, but my it God, was hard, he's dull. It's hard work. I did it. I did watch it all. Though. I did it I'm a couple sorry. of sections. The migraine thing was getting on my. For anyone yeah. who didn't see it, Bob Lazar appeared on Joe Rogan, probably the most recent episode, and he he had a migraine, and so he kept stumbling over certain details and just going silent, which doesn't really help his cause. No, it, but it doesn't. Does it? <laughs> I'm sorry, but for a man who's worked allegedly worked Area Fifty One, back engineered alien technology, and got arrested for installing CCTV in a strip club. Yeah. The man's dull as fuck. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no emotion to him. It was Might as well be a robot. I think Bob, the real Bob, has been killed in a place like an automaton. I'll be honest. I think he was shitting a brick because he was on the Joe Rogan mm. show. That's a possibility. Think, yeah. yeah, there is that, isn't there? You got millions of people. Yeah. I mean, we've got watching what, live. Hundred viewers probably. Yeah. yeah. He's got a hundred million. Yeah. It's a big live. difference, isn't there? It's live. There's no editing, but yeah. just give him some weed. He usually well, does. <laughs> they loosen up that way. But I'm sure he said. 
I either heard it there or somewhere else, but that there was a culture of like if if you were a US air pilot and you saw something unidentified, there was a bit of a culture of like, oh, don't report that. It won't be healthy for your career. Yeah, absolutely. You, well, you, you don't want to be one of those yeah. guys. And that goes for civil but, aviation as too, you know. But apparently that's trying they're trying to reverse that a bit now and like say, No, look, no judgments, no if you see shit, report it and so I think that confirms with the data. Yeah. Um, it's a Navy official who did indeed meet with interested congressional members and staffers on Wednesday to provide a classical brief on efforts to revise and identify these threats to the safety and security of our aviators, the Navy said in a statement of the briefing as it took place on Capitol Hill on Wednesday and Thursday. Navy officials continue to keep interested congressional members and staff informed. Given the classified nature of these discussions, we will not comment on the specific, the specific information provided on the Capitol Hill briefings, which, let's face it, is pretty fucking cool. Mm. They're briefing Congress on Capitol Hill, and hey, we've got the shit in the sky, we don't know what it is. We're so close to disclosure. I was going to ask this question at the end of this article, but I'll skip it for how close are we? How close are we to full disclosure now? It's looking that way, isn't it? I think they're preparing us. Do you think this is going to be a soft disclosure? Yeah, it's going to slowly, I think, trickle, trickle, trickle of information. And then, did you hear the Dan Aykroyd interview? I did, actually, yeah. Last podcast. He kept on advertising his uh, crystal head vodka continually. In a really funny way. He did. Which is really, really good vodka, to be fair, as far as vodka goes. I've never had it. Yeah, it's nice, and the bottles are fucking beautiful. Yes, yeah, so beautiful. The bottles, yeah, I did Just have a look at. I was skulls. looking at them online. But yeah, essentially, I loved his idea of he he, he likes the idea of you know because we all think of invasion and like he said no I think it'll be a positive thing where like you know there'll be a baseball stadium and the the ship will come down and we'll have a festival of all of our music and food and we'll be <laughs> and then and then they fucking eviscerate us all. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> We did not enjoy your song, uh, oh, no. people. Everything was going well until the Morris dancing of fish and chips. <laughs> not Morris dancing, no. So every country, because Britain's retreated into this isolationist <laughs> nationalism at this point, the aliens come down and we're like, oh, right. we're like North Korea at this point. We do not appreciate blackface. Yeah. So we send Morris dancers on a fish and chip van? And everything was going swimmingly until they got to us. Oh, man. <laughs> But it's a fucking awesome idea, though, isn't it? Imagine it one day, you just the motherships appear over cities somewhere, and, the, and what do we do? Do we all shit ourselves? Yeah. What do we? I'm thinking Independence Day. As soon well, as that motherships appear over the cities, I'm thinking Independence Day. Won't we be the guys in Independence Day, though, that are on the rooftop, like, taking ecstasy? Oh, yeah. That's right, like, me. Yes, come to me. Really? Bring back Elvis. <laughs> I'm on the fucking way out of town. I'm not fucking hanging around just in case. I don't I'll watch know. it on telly. I was thinking about this though. Do you think though, like for a few weeks, everyone will be like, "Oh my god, this has completely changed science and philosophy," and everything. but then after a couple of weeks, everyone will just be go back to, "Eh, yeah, there's aliens," because it's not like as if. We discover that aliens are real, so like they close down WH Smith. <laughs> you know what I mean? Things are still going to be like normal stuff will still everything, happen. Everything will be fine until an alien gets shanked in a London back alley. Oh god! And then, and then the, the war comes. Then the war comes because <laughs> then there'll be a. The aliens will retaliate. You know, low-level stuff on the streets, gangs oh, yeah. of alien youths. So do you think it's there'll just... be gangs of alienists? Who are like racists against aliens? Yeah. So. Yeah. Kick his yeah. little fucking green head in! District yeah. 9. District yeah. 9, there, there you go. go. Concentration camps for them. Yeah, segregation, apartheid, alien apartheid. Well, yeah. well, we'll, we'll probably be in the concentration camps, let's face it, the humans. Yeah. It might be alright. It's a 50 50, isn't it? Either they're benevolent or malevolent. 
Yeah, it is. It's like when you get with a new girl. <laughs> go one of two ways. Yeah. But the only reason the District 9 aliens were sort of so downtrodden is because their technology, their power source had died out, hadn't it? Yeah. If they'd have got like, loads of power yeah. source, they'd have just wiped the floor with us. They wouldn't have taken that. No. Oh, it's going to be interesting. But I, in all seriousness, I honestly think we're being prepared. It is amazing, though, how we have to wait for someone in authority to tell us something. Yeah. That's the deal they've got with the aliens. Just on about our culture and society. Yeah. Well, you, you always look to the most, well, you should always look to the most qualified person to lead society. In the case of Boris Johnson, that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. It. I had a good, the, the, good the, chat with the aliens today. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice little green fella. <laughs> oh, Watermelon <fuck> smile. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well done, Boris. Boris, what have you done? Oh, Here come the death rays. <laughs> oh. Mind you, I wouldn't mind seeing Westminster Palace get blown up. <laughs> Here's the important... Beef for Vendetta style. Well, I'd yeah. like to go for that. Will the aliens... I mean, no, no, that's pretty treason. No. Will the aliens be part of the EU? Ooh, well, it depends on they settle, doesn't it? You know what I mean? <laughs> are we going to invite them into the UN? Are we going to have, like, a space UN? Well, I've often... Well, I've been saying for a couple of weeks, there's all this... Because it is pretty fucked up that the president talks really openly and uses it as a... You know, a bargaining chip, or not bargaining chip, is something to impress people. Like, Space Force, we're going to have a Space Force. Why does he keep fucking talking about fucking Space Force? We've had NASA for years, right? But NASA's Cause we not need a, military a force. Is it exactly why? That, I think, is the biggest clue. The fact that the fucking president's been going around the last few years talking about Space Force. Either that, or they're or, just concerned that people are so anti-war now. Uh, they've got to funnel the money somewhere else. They've got to... Well, their regime change wars will... Simply, when they run out of regimes, we'll have to move to the stars, won't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, they could be totally bullshitting us. So Akhtar the Flabargian comes down. Mm-hmm. We can't translate his language, so we have to trust the government. Like, turn us. Oh well, whatever that name I just made. Now, up. You, you'd think that they would have universal translators, though. If they're gonna make first contact, they should speak the language. Shouldn't they? <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're gonna fucking be here, mate. You gotta speak the fucking language. For, for, right. for a civilization, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, a million years in yeah, advance. What happens if they can't communicate with us? Well, then Shoot why the make, why make first contact if you can't communicate? Yeah, good point. You all saw him. He had a gun. Yeah. <laughs> but so we've got to trust their translation. He could come down in peace, right? But then they come back to us and say, "Oh, we had a chat with the little green fella." They're not fucking happy. It's an invading force. So, we're going to go and blow some shit up in space. We need the money. We've got solar water. Uh, yeah, we're going to start. Well, my theory, as you know, is that Donald Trump isn't allowed to have anything to do with solar water. That's it. So he's like, I'm going to start my own. That's, I, I think you're on it. And it's going to be called Space Force. I think you're. I think that's exactly what it is. It's like, no, Donnie, you ain't, you ain't getting a finger on that. This is serious yeah. shit here. We're fighting rept- we're garroting reptilians mm, on Mars. Not touching <laughs> you're not touching it, mate. Yeah. Uh, so he's tried to start his own, and they're going to be a ragtag bunch, like like a second-hand fucking spaceship. It's about the B team on the <laughs> yeah. A team. <laughs> they'll have no weapons. They'll be seriously underfunded. But um, hey, they'll protect us. I'm sure they will from space ISIS. Mind you, if you got gave me a sort of jumpsuit with Space Force on it and said you're in Space Force now, I'd be wearing that fucking oh, thing yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even if I just worked at the base and I was like oh, a yeah. janitor yeah, or something yeah. and I never actually left terra firma, I'd still wear it all the fucking time. Are you in Space Force? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, oh, mate. Oh, you just <laughs> think, well, <laughs> some, some of the stuff I've said. Oh, <laughs> mental. 
Are those the keys to the cleaning cupboard? No. No, no. keys to a spaceship. <laughs> What's those, that crossed mop over a bucket <laughs> on your arm? Uh, I, I mop up the mess. Yeah. <laughs> the space the mess. alien space mess. <laughs> <laughs> Go Space Force! Uh, I think that concludes our article. Yeah. So, we going for disclosure soon then, yeah? Mm, the aliens are coming. Yep. Who wants this one then? Okay, mutant <laughs> porn star flees with giant penises invading homes after bonkers weather creates bumper breeding season. Wow. wow. Billions of fleas are set to invade British homes and workplaces, including porn star mutants, and the weather is to blame. I wish when we had bad weather I just suddenly developed a <laughs> fucking giant porn star car. <laughs> Fucking love living in England, me. Let's get our summers coming up to ten inches. <laughs> oh man! So basically, global warming, mm. giving us porn star fleas. But are they? It, does this large penis make them any more dangerous to humans? No, it just means they breed faster yeah. and harder. It was just an excuse for. The writer to put mutant porn star fleet penis yeah. Yeah. in a headline. Yeah. But Basically. Well, look out they for They have sizable appendages. <laughs> two and a half times longer than their body. Well, Does that mean I'm a flea? The, the biggest willy on the planet. <laughs> the biggest willy on the planet. What newspaper is this? It's the Sun. I this think, is yeah. from the Sun. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think the Guardian or the Telegraph have ever used the word willy? I don't, think, I don't think they've used the word porn star flea either. Super fleas, they wear capes and everything. Oh, likely targets. Look at that. Bite marks around the ankles or legs. Yeah, and they live in the furs of pets and will soon hop onto sofas, bedding, carpets and rugs and breed at an alarming rate. The female can lay up to 50 eggs a day. Fucking hell. But don't, you can't, you can't get, because you've got a dog. I don't think you can get a human you, can get dog fleas, no, but no. you can get cat fleas, can't they? Yeah, yeah, you can't get dog mm. fleas, you can get cat fleas. Because, yeah. yeah, I've uh, been bitten by cat fleas, mm. it's not fucking pleasant. Mm. The worst bite I've had is, uh, and I looked into why they're so bad, you know, horsefly? Yeah. And the reason they're so bad, because I react really yeah, fucking too, badly, it swells yeah. like a motherfucker. Okay. But apparently, like, when it bites you, it's not like a pokey stick going in, it literally, it's a pincer that bites you that way ah. so it breaks the skin that way so it's not a clean it's ah. and yeah you have a bad reaction to that yeah. so it's a pretty shitty thing to I do to my skin oh you'll know mate. Mate. It, yeah. I think well, everyone's different but I'm, I'm the same as you Mike I yeah. got a bit on my Swell foot up, and it went yeah. whoop and I was looking into it and yeah and I found out it's because they've got them little pincers and they actually tear your skin that way well don't worry yeah. guys the fucking next mass extinction's coming they'll be gone all the insects will be gone it'll be fine won't you're going to go summer's insect free won't the insects survive and we'll all die no, only cockroaches uh, oh well we'll be living dead. off cockroach milk yeah ah oh, lasts well, longer than any other milk yeah. you know cockroach <laughs> milk <laughs> no why fucker is that no fucker sorry boys from the dwarf couldn't resist to what, what, jump until we boil to death <laughs> In some kind of nuclear, <laughs> nuclear winter? Or Either, nuclear, or yeah. climate change? Yeah, I don't know which one to come first. The aliens will say it will be fine. What's more likely is it'll be a rainy, boring, nondescript Wednesday afternoon and you'll slip getting out of the bath and break your neck. And that's yeah. like most people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Really unspectacular, yeah. mundane it's fashion. It's like people are concerned so much about terrorism. It's like, 
like yeah. domestic terrorism in, in America, you're more likely to be killed by a teapot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's very true. It's like uh, the whole Great White Shark thing. I mean, it's like they, they kill like three, four people yeah. a year. Mm. It's just because they look. You're more likely to mm. slip over on your driveway. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Look at that dude from Star Trek who ran over his own car. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah. so amusement fleas with poor star dicks coming to a home near you soon. Well, hopefully if we have some if you better live in weather, they'll fuck off, won't they? Well, maybe. Well, we'll see. We'll find out. Oh, just you know, insecticide them. Uh, if you manage to get any uh, any good pics of any giant flea dicks, um, send them in. Send them in. It's going to start a flea porn. <laughs> Get around the porn man in the UK by using fleas. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'll use my imagination before I ever resort to flea porn. People will be desperate. We'll Not that desperate. Oh, they will. <laughs> I've told you what's we're, happening. We're running, well, it's been put back again anyway. The porn ban, right. So put back again? Mate, everyone who really likes their porn is currently downloading fucking terabytes of this shit, <laughs> filling up like hard drive after hard drive after hard drive, you know, with their hairy palms. It'll be fine, it'll be fine. And I think it's disingenuous to call it a porn ban. They're not banning it, you've just got to put your age in. to register. It. Yeah, register as a registered pervert. <laughs> For the first time, amen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that restraining order, restraining order, still in. Yeah, <laughs> got a bit on that. Yeah. Well, are you going to start joke. the bring back the porn campaign? Do you really want? Is that I'm, the hill I'm you gonna, want I'm to gonna, die I'm on? I'm going to launch the uh, the porn party. You're going to be the face. <laughs> of I'm going to launch pro pro remain pro porn. I'm going to stand on those things. <laughs> Come drenched face. Uh, <laughs> the wankers' rights party. <laughs> no, he's going to call it the porn party. Porn party. <laughs> Well, yeah. All my MPs are porn stars. <laughs> <laughs> just get the vote so work. Sex sells, man. Mm. Well, <laughs> I'll be Prime Minister. Just get them to on the booth. They're free blowjob with their fingers. I'll be Prime Minister. Next election. I'm Prime sure Minister. there's something in the rules that states <laughs> votes cannot be bought with blowjobs. Prime Minister Benjamin Carter. The Right Honourable Benjamin Carter. Oh, right Honourable. Can I that? Go last week to it. Uh, it'll be a glorious utopia, I promise you. Okay. Or you could just type in your fucking date of birth and still watch the porn. Nope. Rather spend the four grand. <laughs> register myself as a political party. Take donors, you know. Okay, well, I'm just going to put my date of birth in. <laughs> oh, whatever. Easter on. <laughs> Moving on? Yes. Yeah. Last one. Go on, okay. then, guys. Alien reptile conspiracy <coughs> at heart of murder trial baffles prosecutors. Ooh. Well, they should have called him a fucking expert like one of us three gentlemen yeah. sitting here. We, we could have explained it to you. We're, we're leading reptilian expert lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> so, the call lighted up the 911 dispatch centre in the early morning hours of 15th of July 2017. My boyfriend had a gun, Barbara Rogers told the operator from a, from a home in Kulbao. Township, Pennsylvania, about 110 miles north of Philadelphia. He told me to hold it here and press the trigger. Oh my God, he's dead. When police arrived at the tan double-wide trailer, inside they found 32-year-old Stephen Mineo. Mineo. Stephen. Uh, Stephen was dead from a close-range 45 caliber bullet wound in his forehead. And probably not a lot left to the back of his head, yeah. in all fairness. 
Well, Rogers was arrested and charged with her boyfriend's murder. But behind what first appeared to be a simple domestic killing, investigators found a bizarre backstory involving an extraterrestrial cult that had swallowed up both Rogers and Stephen. Mm. According to the Pinocchio... Pocono, 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 the Pocono, Pocono record. Not the Pinocchio record. <laughs> <laughs> don't believe a fucking word they say. No, I think it was joke Bullshitting cunts. <laughs> joke the night. Oh, excellent. According to the Pinocchio record, Roger's first-degree murder trial began in March. She claimed in court the couple had gotten into a disagreement with the leader of the cult, who preaches a heady stew of alien conspiracy theories, apocalyptic biblical interpretation, and warnings about reptilian Ooh. extraterrestrials living secretly as humans. I knew it! I knew it! It sounds like us! <laughs> It does sound like a normal episode of our show, <laughs> just without the murder. <laughs> well, Rogers claimed that a distraught Stephen had placed the gun in her hands and pulled the trigger. She said she did not know the gun was loaded. That's a pretty shitty thing to do. Yeah. Prosecutors attempted to strip away the otherworldly elements of the tale. In the end, the jury split the difference, finding Rogers guilty of the lesser charge of third-degree murder. On Monday morning, a judge sentenced the 44-year-old to 15 to 40 years in prison. The sentencing did not sit well with the victim's family. This is Jackie Mineo talking now. To me, it's amazing that somebody would put a gun to somebody's head, blow their brains out essentially, and the jury finds them guilty of third-degree murder and not first, says Jackie Mineo, the victim's aunt. She got a break. She got a big break today. No one fucking do the song. <laughs> I was about to. <laughs> <laughs> What song? The Big Break song. Big no. Oh, from the, the theme tune. Yeah. No, I'm doing the theme tune. Well, according to uh, NJ.com, Miss Schreiner believes a new world order. Oh, who's Miss Schreiner then? Oh, okay, the, the cult leader. leader is called Sherry Schreiner, who on her website calls herself a, quote, servant, prophet, ambassador, daughter, and messenger of the most... High God. Never heard of her. Me either. <laughs> Mrs. Schreiner believes a new world order is threatening humanity, an evil conspiracy hatched by aliens and other evil beings. I don't run a cult, she said. You can turn on my video or turn it off. You can turn on my podcast or turn it off. You can do that with ours as well. You're not fucking special. <laughs> turn ours on though. Don't turn yeah, it yeah. off. I don't have a list or a membership rule. So the uh, murderer woman started following her in the early 2000s. Oh, hang on. Eventually put him at odds with the teachings. She believed Rogers, that's the one who was shot, or the one who did the shooting? No, was shot. Right, Rogers. So are these two men? Women, yeah. I think, not men. Yes, Rogers is the, is the lady. Yeah. But his relationship with Rogers, is that a typo? I think Maybe. it is, yeah. yeah. So anyway, she believes... Oh, no, hang on. Basically, Mineo's relationship with Rogers... Mm. deteriorated because he started watching Shriner stuff. Right. And Shriner told MJ.com she believed Rogers was a vampire, witch, reptilian super soldier. Uh, which a hell of an accusation, that is. It's one hell of a fucking title to have as well. well I met a few of them. Four different things, eh? You're a vampire, a witch, a reptilian and a super soldier. Mm. Well, well, imagine if Captain America was that. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah. The, the split seems to have started when Rogers wrote Facebook posts talking about her cravings for red meat and preference for steak tartare. I don't, see, I don't <laughs> see an issue. I do not see an issue. Well, Miss Schreiner believes that red meat 
is a sign that the person was actually reptilian. Of oh, course. I, I love red meat. So don't we all, but we've probably all got some lizard in us. Oh, no. Essentially, reptilian who doesn't know it? Now, we've all got the reptilian brain. True. That's it. I say this as somebody who runs a cult, the Church of Insignificance, if you'd like to look it up, dear listener. And you don't it. run a cult. Um, I do run a cult. We have a 10,000 word manifesto, Where's which is available for £2.50. I'm not sure. And you got two uh, followers. Two followers. Listen. Yeah, one of them is you. Contact me. <laughs> contact me. I haven't you any money yet. You're getting in the way of my pitch. I'm trying to make money. Contact me. Send me £2.50 and I will send you our professionally printed, but not professionally written, 10,000 word manifesto, right? And you can, you can get onto the, basically accepting your own insignificance. That's what my cult's all about. You insignificant little toad. But I say that, having said that, don't follow cults. Don't listen to people with YouTube channels who claim to be leaders. There's a reason the only show they can get is on a platform that literally anyone can use. Like us. Don't, yeah. Like your D- cult. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't let the fucking ramblings of a mad woman online affect your actual relationship, especially to the point where you end up shooting your fucking partner in the fucking head. Yeah. I didn't know it was We loaded. all like the reptilian conspiracy. We all enjoy it. We all think there might be some truth, maybe, to it. Maybe, but, maybe a bit. But we don't take it that seriously. I'm not going to shoot, I'm not going to fucking shoot somebody in the head. If, if I go home now and my missus is like, oh, fucking, what, lizards from space, you fucking cock. I'm not going to stab her in the throat. What if, what if she I'm thinks like, you're a reptilian vampire oh, super soldier? She stabs she, me in the yeah. throat. Well, I'll have to defend myself, won't I? Well, fucking if you are that thing, then you should Find a pan across the back of the skull and uh, all will be well. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Don't follow fucking mm. people called Mrs. Shriner. Online. Yeah, and all yeah. that sh- shit that she's spouting anyway is all ripped off from David Icke. Anyway, That's it's not true. her fucking theory. It's probably not his theory, but he popularised it. Oh, St. Ike. Right, I think that concludes the news for this yep. week. Yes, I would say so. Okay, so let's cut on with the main thrust of today's topic and talk about Grindle Death Ray Matthews. <laughs> this is an article written by Dr. David Clark, famed sceptic, actually, but still pretty in-depth. It's from the Fortune Times. Ooh, we've got upmarket. Yes, I have a few copies of the Fortune Times. I bought them on eBay and they weren't cheap. I used to watch the TV show on Channel 4, Fortune TV. Do you remember oh, No, I've never seen it. It was after like Euro Trash or something. Oh, awesome. I still love Euro Trash. Oh, who didn't love Euro Trash? As a 14 year old boy, Euro Trash was porn. It was a bit of a gamble wanking over it though, wasn't it? Because if you didn't time it right, you've oh, got yeah. like 30 seconds of nudity, and if you get the timing wrong, you end up spaffing over Antoine's fucking. Uh, it cuts back to them in the studio. Or, Shit! Well, you end up with. You start off with porn and nudity, and then yeah. before you know it, you're looking at a German bloke dressed as a, a naked German mm. man dressed as a horse. Fuck, I used to love Euro Trash. Those are some happy memories, man. <laughs> it was the only porn we had. Really, really. The was. youngsters will never know the plight we had. No. Euro Trash and Wood Porn, that was I it. I found my. Uh, I cable, so you had the, the, the German channels. Ah, uh, yes. Later on, um, German channels. You'd get the. Hardcore porn. You'd get the well, free. You'd get you, like. If it was there if you knew where to find it. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you did. You'd get like the 30 second like previews, wouldn't you? Where they're like, oh, trying yeah, to get yeah. you to, to subscribe yeah. to the channel, basically. When I was about 14, I could probably knock one off in that 30 second preview. 30 seconds? <laughs> Give me three. <laughs> uh, anyway, enough porn. Should we do the, the topic? Grindle Jeffrey Matthews. <laughs> they called him Jeffrey Matthews. It wasn't the name he chose himself. 
but of all the inventions Harry Grindel Matthews is known for, it was a death ray for which he was both fetid and vilified. Was he a charismatic mixture of visionary and charlatan, or an ignored and embittered inventor who could have shortened both world wars? Whatever the answer, his story is a fascinating one, not least because it brings into sharp focus how the British government viewed 14 ideas in the early years of the 20th century. It is an interesting thing, because it, it's... If you've got a death ray, mm. you've won the First World War. Not the yet. Second World War's not going to happen, because you've got a death ray and no one else has. Yeah. Until you get a death ray arms race. Mm. Yeah. Because as soon as you've got it... Yeah. Not the nukes in it. Well, the, the, the naval... The, what was one of the causes of the First World War? It was a naval arms race. Mm. Germany was building up their fleet. We built up ours. France built up theirs. Russia built up theirs. All of a sudden, you've got this naval arm. So you just end up with the death ray arms race. Well... All I can say is Death Ray Matthews is an excellent name for a wrestler. I wouldn't mind Death Ray Carter as a nickname. You know what I mean? <laughs> if your name was actually Ray as well. Oh, fuck yeah. Ray yeah. Matthews. Yeah. Death Ray Matthews. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever become a fashion wrestler, that's my name. Excellent. But, but back to your point, though. There, there kind of was a slight... Well, maybe not an arms race isn't the right... But as we'll see in the story, he was kind of flirting with other... All the countries. Yeah, he was trying to sort of, sort of start an not an arms a bidding war. A bidding war, war is a better yeah. way. To just, unlike the guy who uh, invented the machine gun. Mm. Oh God, what's his name? Off the top of my head, I can't remember his name. Mister mm. Machine Gun. No. <laughs> <laughs> no it wasn't. But he sold it to, to. He sold exactly the same machine gun. <coughs> a Maxim, Hiram Maxim, mm. invented the first proper machine belt-fed machine gun. Yeah, the canonical World War One machine gun, the round mm. barrel, little spout coming out. You sit behind it. Yeah. yeah? He invented that. Didn't they have that in the American Civil War? No, they had a Gatling. They were, were being hand-fed. Ah, uh, yeah, cause I'm thinking of the movie with Clint Eastwood where he pops up out the coffin and he's got, a, I think it's Django, the first Django, and he's got one of them... Yeah. And he just mows down an entire village of people. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, to your yeah. point. So he went, basically, he turned up in Europe and said, you know what, the Europeans really like killing each other. Mm. I'm going to give them a way to kill each other faster. And remember, at this point, mm. Europe had had a lot of wars. I mean, we're talking late 1800s, you had the Franco-Prussian War, and the French got their asses, or two Franco-Prussian Wars, and the French mm. got their asses handed to them by the Germans twice. Yeah, yeah. We were doing all sorts of colonial stuff. Mm. Well, yeah. everybody thought that cavalry would win, would win the First World War. They did, yeah. That's why there was... It always has done. Yeah, it was the war-winning thing. Yeah. Anyway, so Vic, uh, Maxim basically went to Europe, went to an arms fair, and said, this is my gun. It can fire a thousand rounds, however uh, many rounds a minute it can fire, a hundred rounds a minute. Who wants to buy it? Yeah. And pretty much every major European power went, yep, me. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from the Belgians, mm. their king was there and he said, nah, it cost too much ammunition, that one. Oh dear. <laughs> 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 Get <it> frantically mining, <laughs> loading a musket. <laughs> But yeah, so well, the other guys are fucking. Is that why Belgium got dicked in the First World War? Though? Pretty much. <laughs> Although I think they did buy them just before the war, but look, it was a break out. But every other nation had oh. them and developed how to use them. And the Belgians were like, oh, we better have some oh, of them because everyone else has got them. Well, to be fair, they were just used to, you know, killing poor black men in the Congo. Yeah, but so were we. We had a colonial That's army. True. I love that bit in Black Adam. Black Adam, I've only gone blank then, yeah. And his uh, Umbuto Gorge. Umbuto Gorge. As if there were some sharpened watermelon. Yeah. And ten thousand British soldiers faced off against twenty thousand Umbuto tribesmen. Yes, it was a nasty sharpened watermelon that wasn't it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> 
Vickers yeah. machine guns versus yeah. sticks. <laughs> sticks and watermelons. And it's true, you know, we had the back, the, the thing was, we had the Vickers, the Germans had the Maxim, it was licensed out. So exactly the same gun, just licensed out. So if I promised you that I had a gun that didn't need ammunition, yeah, you'd be pretty interested, wouldn't you? I would. I'd be very interested. Be. We'll get into it a little bit later as well, but Mr. Matthews, Harry, he certainly wasn't the first man in history to toy with this idea of... Tessa was knocking around wings. Well, wasn't there some... I'll, I'll look, I've got it on my notes later, but somebody in the fucking... Ancient times. Archimedes. That's tried doing it. Archimedes. Is, yes, Archimedes tried yeah. setting the fleet on fire. Mm. Mirrors. Now MythBusters tested the fuck out of that. Yeah. And they, and they couldn't get it to work. But the legend is, the, the, mm. the story is that yeah. they said these giant mirrors. I forget which city it was. They said that these giant mirrors and they fried the wooden ships yeah. of the enemy. Right. Now MythBusters, I think, did at least two episodes on that. And I think the second one, the Obamas featured in it. Okay. It was apparently they were big fans, and mm. it was his favourite episode. Oh. And he was present at the time. He's like, I want to be on. The, you're going to do that again. I want to be on it. Me and my family love that episode as much as I like MythBusters, and I've seen a, quite a few episodes actually. Did they go and put giant mirrors on the top of the exact mountain? No, they would have scaled it down. Yeah, it, would, it was scaled down to. Um, they built. I think they had like a model harbour, a, bit of a pond, a model harbour, the mirrors, yeah, okay. and the ships in comparison, all scaled down. But they just couldn't get it to work. Well, doesn't mean it's not. True. I could be wrong on that. It's been a long time since mm. that. So maybe they did get a bit of scorching mm. on one of the wooden ships. Listeners, please do correct in, me if I'm wrong. In theory, we all know you could get a magnifying glass and burn use it to burn yeah. stuff. So in theory. That wasn't what Mr. Matthews... No, 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 he was... He wasn't uh, using the power of the sun. No. So, by any standards, Harry Gunder Matthews led a remarkable life. He was born in 1880 at Winterbourne in Gloucestershire. He was educated at the Merchant Venture School in Bristol before training as an electrical engineer. During the Boer War, he enlisted in the Baden-Powell South African Constabulary and was wounded twice. On his return to Britain, he pursued his interest in the burgeoning electrical sciences on the estate of Lord de Lavar at Brexhill on Sea. There he displayed a natural aptitude for thinking outside the box and began to first visualise and later produce a remarkable series of inventions. And he was ahead of his time. Yeah, he did because he Death was Death Ray aside. He was working with like power cells and He was you know walkie talkies. Yeah, like mobile phone well not mobile phones, but like wireless. Well walkie talkies effectively, yeah, yeah it was yeah. Which they didn't have in the First World War. The, mm. I think big naval ships had radar, uh, had radio, sorry, because mm. they had the power to uh, transmit. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, the Marconi and things like that, the Titanic had that. Mm. But planes to ground, mm. now you, you need that power source, you've got to have that massive amount of power to transmit. And his invention, it, it looked a bit like the fly, you know, he was like two pods, like mm. separate pods, you know, one transmitting to the other and vice versa. But, and I think he did actually demonstrate that. He did. We'll get on to yeah. it now because the next bit's about that. For years, Matthew has been fascinated by the idea of communication over distances without the use of wires. And following in Marconi's footsteps in 1911, he staged a demonstration of radio telephony, yeah. transmitting a message from the ground to BC hooks flying two miles, which is 3.2 kilometres away, and at 600 feet, 183 metres. Hooks himself deserves a footnote in the annals of Fortina, Portiana. Portiana has been the maverick flyer who was sent to search the Scottish lowlands for alleged German bases during the Phantom Zeppelin scares of the First World War 
and that's interesting. That kind of ties into our UFOs in wartime mm. episode of those the the Phantom Zeppelin raids. Ah, yeah, yeah. People are seeing these things in the sky, but no bombs are being dropped. Yeah, so surveillance they, maybe. That's it. But well, took a lot of effort to send one of them across the channel. Mm. Most of them went that far off course and bombed cows right. instead of cities. <laughs> the British government genuinely thought the Germans were going to kill their livestock to stop them into submission at one point. <laughs> they keep killing the bloody cows. They're killing so many livestock. I mean, the city is pretty hard to miss. Quite big. But, but you know, you have a blackout mm. and things are hard to see. But the Zeppelins, because they were lighter than air, tended to, mm. took a lot of effort to keep them on course and nine times out of ten they were bombing farmland in Kent instead of London. Yeah. They're just big giant bombs, aren't they? I think, you know... You wouldn't, they weren't hydrogen like the Hindenburg. Yeah. But even so, you wouldn't fancy being on one. I mean, their top speed wasn't amazing. No. They were a pretty big fucking target. Yeah. <laughs> well, one I'm, shot and it burst the... The balloon or whatever. Yeah. You, you, you're down, yeah. aren't you? Well, and some French pilot did attack one with a bread knife once. <laughs> he might jumped out of his plane. No, 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 no. Should we have a bread knife? <laughs> so he's trying to fly underneath it and have a swipe at it. <laughs> did it work? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is he attacked one. <laughs> Which, to oh. be fair, he bores out. Yeah, isn't it? I've run out of ammunition, but I've got this bread knife. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you, Zeppelin. <laughs> Why has he got a bread knife? Because I was just thinking that he's French, French. 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 He had a cheese board. Of course, he's a French. He's a French aristocratic pilot. Oh, he's yeah. up there. He's half pissed. He's got a cheese board and a baguette. Of course he has. Of course he has. He's got tea cakes. Well, that was yeah, British. That's what we had. Yeah. Uh, we had the tea I cakes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. We had, we had, they were just a bit more advanced. <laughs> a little cheese board. Uh, yeah. I fill out with my knees and I put the cheese with my hands. But when nothing's happening, <laughs> yeah. you know, just keep put the control, put the control to between your knees and a break between the dog fights. Yeah, <laughs> spread that butcher on the big. Oh, I've got a couple of minutes. So I've got a spread. <laughs> Actually, the butcher would be harder to spread it, I have to. Imagine that, you, you fly by, you're British, you fly by one and he's got a fucking glass of wine in one hand. And a baguette, and he's just like, hello. <laughs> fucking hell, different breed, man. Bless him. Where's my tea? Yeah. yeah. I always remember my dad went to France with his job when I was a kid. Yeah. And they were like, and he was a big red wine lover, my mm. at the time, and... Uh, they were like, oh, would you like a glass of wine with your lunch? He's like, nah, you're alright, I'll start now, I won't stop. But they like have two they glasses and that's it. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah, I've got a nice little buzz going on, I'm mm. off, I'm back to work. Well, yeah, our drinking culture, I was actually talking about this last night at the party. Like when you go to Europe, you see how their drinking culture is completely different. Mm. Oh, fuck completely yeah. different. Yeah. They drink slowly over a long period with food yep. in between every fucking drink. I mean, they sell alcohol in McDonald's. I mean, can you imagine this country? Oh, well, you wouldn't go to McDonald's, would you? But our drinking club, I've never really thought about this. Fights all the fucking uh, time. Imagine yeah. at McDonald's at fucking three o'clock in the afternoon mm. on a Saturday afternoon. Oh, yeah, it'd be a mess. But have oh, never thought like about it. spoons, basically. Wetherspoons <laughs> 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 are cheaper food. Have you ever thought about, like, why... We drink that way though, and it's so obvious, but I never really thought about it till this guy said last night. He's like, Well, it all comes down to uh, uh, licensing hours and things like of trying to, you can only drink during this yeah. short period of time. So, 
our culture is to try and drink as much as humanly possible, as quickly as possible. And then when they changed the lysosin laws, it was supposed to affect, it was, the idea was it would change our drinking culture and make us a little bit more like the Europeans. But it didn't, it just no. meant we did it for longer. Yeah. It didn't change, it's so ingrained in our well, culture. All it meant was, we so could it's go sort of 11 o'clock, and they mm. kick out and everyone's pissed up. It's yeah. 3 a.m. and everyone's absolutely yeah. mad. Yeah. Or, or if you do go to the pub and you think, mm. oh, yeah, you've, you've finished about half 11, you think, hmm, mm. I get a taxi to Tesco. Buy some more. And buy some more yeah. and I get it home. How many times have we done that? Fucking two, right? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, we just, you know, we'll get a taxi mm. to Tesco, buy another slab, buy another crate of beer, yeah. carry on at home. But it's like the culture, I was gobsmacked once. My, there's this awesome bar in Milan the Union Bar, a really quirky, tidy little place. And the first time I went there, I walked in and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Tenants super. Jesus. On towel. Oh. I was saying to Hannah, cause she's from, she's lived there over 10 years now, but she's, she's British, she's from here. And I was just like, this couldn't <laughs> work at home because no. people would be so violent by 12 o'clock. But the, the way it works over there, though, is that like every time you order a drink, no matter what you've ordered, it comes with a bowl of nibbles. Yeah, that's Spain, just yeah. standard. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. just the way it is at every single bar. So you're soaking it up, yeah, uh, and you're not drinking so quick because you're putting food in you. I swear, in Spain, man, you go for a beer, and you, have, you mm. can have like a, a burger. I know it's like it's free. free. That's how when our money was running out, yeah. she was trying to think of like, okay, the places that give the best yeah. stuff with a drink. And we'll get food that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we did. <laughs> I was perfectly happy. Nibbles <laughs> all day. But it's just completely different. And then people are still out at midnight, and they're not paralytic. They're drunk. They've they've partied, but they're not puking in the street and like pissing in the back of a taxi and trying to glass yeah. somebody because he got the wrong t-shirt on. It's just completely. But we're the opposite. It's almost as if they're trying to enjoy it, <laughs> whereas we're just. Get it in me! But they're doing that most days and not drinking as much, whereas we binge drink. At the weekend. So the weekend, it's like, yeah, fucking, I'm on it, weekend, well, that's it. But yeah, it's um, it's an odd one, because you're right, Europe Mm. does just do it differently. Mm. I mean, some countries have stronger beers, but as you say, they just don't have as many. Yeah. Belgium, (laughs) I watched, uh, oh man, is that Scouse comedian Mickey Farragan? He went on a sort of tour, of, it was a documentary where he kind of went to the first, he cycled through Belgium because he got into cycling with his mate, but they went around the First World War battlefields, mm. but they went, they did like little offshoots, and there was this Belgian brewery, yeah. like, oh this one's seven and a half percent, right, on tap, and then we give you half, you only have half, mm. but of course being British, they're mm. like, hey! That half has got, and the Belgian guy's just looking at him going, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, because they're like, oh, two bottoms up, mm. half, a bo- half the half gone in the first gulp. Yeah. And the Belgian goes like, no, you sip it. It's mm. 7.5%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have three of these on your arse just to sip it. And they, they couldn't get it into their edges. Look, like, we're British. We might not know fuck all about the culinary delights of the world, but when it comes to drinking, fuck off telling us how to do it. I'll <laughs> well, get home, I'll be fine, I'll have a broken leg. <laughs> Bruising, I can't explain. It's all right, I've got chess. Exactly. <laughs> That's the other thing that Doug Stanhope pointed out with our drinking culture is because of the NHS, right? You'd think America's a more violent place, but A, there's the threat of that guy could just go to his car in the car park and get his gun. Yeah. There's also the second thing of like, if we get into a fight, 
and I get a tooth knocked out, that's going to cost me $10,000. And if I <laughs> knock his tooth out, that's probably going to cost me $10,000 as well. So that's at the back of their mind where they're a lot less likely to, to fire off yeah. with violence. Whereas we know we'll get repaired and stitched back together for free. Yeah, it's true. Because so, it, he said the whole thing that started his, his little rant was, he's a brilliant comedian, but he's American, and he was over here and he said, I went to the toilet and there was a poster in the toilet basically a public service announcement asking people not to attack the ambulance workers. Cool. Do you know what I mean? He's just like, and people say America's violent. Yeah. These fuckers are more violent than anyone else. It's just, it's all based around yeah. that. Just in the US, if it culture. does go to violence, it normally ends in a death. death. Yeah, a shooting, yeah. yeah. Whereas we just beat yeah, just, I don't know how rare it is ambulance crews themselves get badly beaten. Mm. I've never seen anything they like that. They certainly get abused quite regularly. They get abused definitely verbally abused. Verbally abused, yeah. abused rocks, stones thrown at the mm. ambulance is probably the worst I've seen. But uh, also, also, I suppose you've got to look at who's in the back of that and what have they done to deserve that that they've had. Yeah. If it's some bloke they've caught trying to rape somebody, they give them a kick and call the ambulance and then they're Kind of throwing rocks at his way saying get the fuck out of here oh, kind yeah. of thing. It's probably more likely I'd say. But I'm not defending it anyway, yeah. it's just imagination gonna be right, it shouldn't be too napping, the NHS staff and they're wonderful. So they want women are fucking just as nasty, yeah, if not yes. nastier than men. Oh yes. Pissed up. Yeah. Cool. And it gets violent. I've seen just, I've right? seen women start on fully grown men before and they've been mm. smashed because they think that the bloke won't hit them back and yeah. nine times out of ten they're absolutely right. Sadly there's that one time out of ten when it does happen. Mm. But still stop oppressing them, Ben. I'm joking. <laughs> did you see that meme that I shared? I did it to piss Leona off, to be honest. But it's a picture of like a workman. Like he couldn't look more pathetic. He's literally on all fours with his like half his body down a sewer hole, and these two absolutely gorgeous women are walking past, looking down at him. And it says, "Stop oppressing me!" And he's like, "Sorry." <laughs> I did see that. I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was more of a wind-up for my missus, but there is a little something to it, though, do you know what I mean? Like, he's not oppressing you, love. <laughs> Bless. But anyway... Hey, um, back to Harry Grindle, Deathway Matthews. Yes, sorry. And so his wireless telephone experiments attracted a great deal of attention in high places, and the court circular of the 5th of July 1912 edition of the Times boldly stated that Buckingham Palace, July 4th, Her Majesty this afternoon inspected the wireless telephone invented by Mr Grindle Matthews. Contemporary photographs depict him chatting with the likes of the future Prime Minister Lloyd George. These early forays into the world of invention were soon noticed by the War Office and the Admiralty, forerunners of today's Ministry of Defence. Now they basically lumped everything into one in the 60s. Mm, okay. You had the you had a War Office, you had a Defence Office, you had the Admiralty, which is a separate entity because the Navy was always right. the big part of British defence and found themselves being shunted out by developments in missile technology. Okay. Fame and fortune awaited those who could su successfully develop inventions that could be useful to the armed forces, and Matthew saw a gap in the market through which he could become wealthy and serve his country. I think the serving the country part secondary. Yeah. Um, how he went about that process, however, cast those on his real motives and the authenticity of his all on all of his inventions, most notably the death ray. Death Ray! Death Ray! <laughs> but to understand both Matthew's relationship with officialdom and the ultimate failure of the Death Ray, we first need to trace his steps between 1911 and 1924. 1911 to 1924 mm. in British history, 
Is that the Edwardian time? You've got Edwardian, so you've got 1911, we've just come out of the Victorian era. 1901 we came out of Victorian era. Oh, so we're into the Edwardian thing. And it's the height of the empire, really, isn't it? Mm. We've got the, the wealth coming, the poor are still poor, but the, oh. the middle class and the wealthy are doing... The although things, are, things are getting a little... They're better than they were in the Victorian times, and they're still a bit shit. They're terrible. Mm. They're pretty terrible because he was he was he went down he wrote the book about Wigan Pier, Orwell wasn't it? And that yes. was that was like the thirties or something, wasn't mm. it? Twenties or thirties. It was still bad. Remember, you had the depression in the twenties. Yeah. So things they're not as bad as they were in the Jack the Ripper sort of white hall kind of thing, but they're still not fucking amazing. But you've also got the height of the empire. When it comes to nineteen fourteen, first yeah. world war breaks out. And after that, we're on a slow, steady decline. Britain is, yeah. Yay. <laughs> it's the end of the empire. Of course. It's, well, it's the, well, we actually grew as a result of both world wars. But the problem was that we were okay after the first, after the second. We just couldn't afford to keep it. We, we owed America too much money. And the rest of the empire too much money. And America were very keen on us letting go of our territories. Well, the US pushed for the end of colonialism in, yeah. in the UN and it won. It, it, the vote went it's through. It's a good thing. Well, unfortunately, so they the US. Well, that's it. So the they, they saw, well, think about it this way the US is up and coming. They're the number one economic and military power in the world. They see the old empire sat around Britain, France, Holland, Belgium. And they got the nuke. And they got the A bomb. Hey, open season on these boys yeah. and now that we're not going to threaten with the bomb they're our allies but what we'll do is we'll just subvert their authority and their far well the Suez, their colonies the Suez crisis wasn't it yeah well, the Yanks were like you know no we're not helping you that's it and the Russians of course then said we'll bomb you we'll nuke you mm. and Berlin France went mm. yeah. <laughs> mm. alright then after the second world war it was a fantastic not just the Cold War, but it's a very interesting piece of history, in all fairness. Mm. It's, it's like the waning colonial powers are still trying to prove they're the big boys. Mm. Yeah. But the US, did it subvertly? Mm-hmm. They did. And now they have thousand bases around the world. But now, they've got to the point where every empire who, can, who has to stand... No, no. Every empire... It does. Yeah, it does overstretches, but... Like the Iran thing this week, we'll just briefly mention it. Now, Trump claims it was going to cause too many casualties. Mm. Well, on whose side? As he got to the point that the Americans, every empire had to take a punch. Mm. I'm going to quote Dan Carling in a boxing analogy. Mm. Every great empire can take so many punches before it goes down. Yeah. The Romans could lose 70,000 men in a day and come back three months later and give you the same amount of guys. Yeah. They could do that two or three times, quite happily. Mm. And they do it. They could take a punch. Can the Americans take that punch now of casualties? They had a lot in Iraq and Afghanistan. Public support for the wars going down. Very true. They start losing guys to Iran, and we'd be talking thousands. But most empires crumble from the inside. They do, and slowly. It is rotting from the inside. Yeah. It's pretty evident. It but <laughs> pretty evident. Yeah. They, they can't take that casualty punch anymore. They couldn't take it. They couldn't lose 10,000 guys in Iran over a course of a war again. Like the, I don't know how many they lost in Iraq, but it was in the thousands. And did you know that all empires go through a, like okay. seven stages or something? Okay. It's like growth and trade, commerce. Yeah. You know, then it's very militarised. Mm. And then you've got the last stage, the age of decadence. Right, is that where everyone just starts? Everyone, everyone becomes 
over obsessed with sex. Right. Hey. Yeah, and well, um, I think we're in that part now. Just, just on that description, I think we're in that part now. Oddly enough, there's an explosion in celebrity chefs. What? Yeah, it's strange as it sounds because people want to like relive like what the glory days were, and they do that okay. with food and things. So right. chefs all of a sudden become prominent, and high-paid sports stars like in Rome, you had that the gladiator. Yeah, yeah it was the highest-paid sports yeah. star ever. And we've got that now. It's, you look at the comparisons between Rome and our civilization; it's dead on, mate. And we're in the last stage now. The age of decadence. Bring the on the decadence and wine. <laughs> <laughs> Bring on the orgies. Oh, of course, I've got to mention that every, everything becomes so corrupt and right. blatantly corrupt. Hello. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's good news then, though, that the latest false flag didn't work. Yeah. Basically. And that he said that it's because we, haven't, we can't afford the casualties, but really it might be because even Republican supporters looked at that and went, oh, fuck off, not enough. Yeah, because no, what you do if you're send Iran, our boys to a because if you're Iran, what you do is that the Japanese or Japanese oil tankers sat in your Gulf. Yeah. And what you do when the Japanese mm. trade ambassadors in town mm. talking about a trade deal for your oil when your embargo lifts, mm. what you do is you plant the mines on the far side of the ship, not the side closest to you, mm. where no one would see. Yeah. You plant them on the far side of the ship, and then you fuck off. Mm. Doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> You, you wouldn't plant them on the far side of the ship. Well, when you've got the captain saying, and when, all my people say it came from a flying machine, a drone. Yeah, and the guy who owns a ship goes, nah, that wasn't right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it didn't work. I'm glad they're not going to war with Iran, to be honest. It's we will. Still, we will, but it's inevitable. Eventually. Yeah. I think it is. Well, it's, they've it's, been on about it for a long time. Of course they have. They've planned it for yeah. years, man. It's a tinderbox. Mm. 9-11 was meant to set off this chain of events. They could invade these countries. It was, they, was it something like four countries in five years they wanted? Seven. Seven in five years? Yeah. It was the general that, that came out and said... Oh, I can't remember his name. Wes somebody, wasn't it? Oh, I forget his name. Yeah. yeah. Wes Clark, I think. Yes, that's how rings a bell, yeah. Well, if only they had a death ray. Well, yeah. <laughs> Back to it. In the run we the did go on that tangent for a point, though, didn't we? It was more how the it was time the arms, was. Yeah, arms race, the time. In the state like of the empire at the yeah. time. Well, the list on a bit of history. That's good. Context. Social, historical, political context. That's what you do when you you're know. doing a paper or something. We're, we're broadcast journalists now. Of course we are. <laughs> so, in the run to the First World War, the amateur can interest in his aerophone device, and Matthew was invited to give a demonstration. As his patterns at the time were only provisional, he demanded that no experts be present. <laughs> well, you haven't got a pattern, it's not official. Right, okay. Uh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It could also be that, like, I don't want anyone there who knows this is bullshit. Yeah, that's also the valid <laughs> point. But also, I see his point. It's my, my pattern hasn't been approved. Yeah. It's, 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 this isn't the, the finished model. This is a prototype. It, Someone could steal it. Yeah. So no experts. Um, the Admiralty agreed, and the demonstration went ahead. But before it was completed, Matthew's assistant discovered four of the invited observers had taken advantage of his absence in the room to dismantle the apparatus, taking notes and sketches. In a rage, Matthews cancelled the demonstration immediately and sent everyone away despite the protests of the Admiralty officials. Fair enough, I'd say. Yeah. Well, you're trying to steal my fucking idea. Yeah, if this, you know, let's say this does work, mm. I'm going to make a fortune. You're trying to, and let's, let's, let's assume... It those works. chaps were British government officials. Mm. So, well, we can just fucking 
we'll change this, we'll change that. His mm. pattern's still provisional. Boom, we've got our own fucking version of it. Yeah. And we've got to pay him now, have we? Exactly. I would certainly wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a... Well, that's playing... It's not even a counter-argument to that, isn't it? He's gone to the fucking toilet. Quick, get a fucking screwdriver. <laughs> and yeah. start drawing. <laughs> he's coming, he's coming quick. <laughs> yeah. Screw it back up, screw it back up. I can't, the screws are going in. It went fucking out. <laughs> Who's gonna fucking Phillips? <laughs> Only we had to show right off that one. If it's last come back, they've dismantled the fucking thing. Get the fuck <laughs> Yeah, I would certainly throw yeah. them all out. And I think fair play for throwing out admirals as well. The, right? admiral, the admiral, yeah. they're all naval officers. There'll be a few oh, top God. knobs there. Yeah. The press centred a scandal and was immediately on Matthews' side. National and provincial, uh, provincial papers trumpeting his cause, outraged at the intransigence of the admiralty. Public opinion was whipped into such frenzy the war office had no option but to face up publicly both the press and the upstart who challenged them. <laughs> a statement was issued via the Daily Tele Telegraph in which the war office denied any tampering and insisted that the aerophone experiment had been a failure. As the experiment had not even begun before the men from the ministry began their tampering, Matthew sensed jealousy, if not a cover-up, was at work. Faced with an official denial, he had a change of mind and in turn issued a statement retracting his claims and downsizing the affair to a misunderstanding. Mm. So Did somebody go and visit him in the I, night? I think someone may have visited him in the night and said, look, all right, we've yeah. got to say that. Yeah. Remember, this is before the First World War. Mm. Britain, Britannia rules the waves. The Navy, mm. they get more funding than anyone yeah. in, in terms of British defence. We've right. got to have that two to one formula, remember? Mm. We have twice the biggest, twice the number of ships as the next largest power. Right. That was our idea. Yeah. So, they want that ship for free. Of course they do. They don't have to pay him thousands yeah. and thousands of pounds. They don't give a fuck about the little man. And no. they, they are, you go into Whitehall, the seat mm. of, 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 mili uh, of the military power in this country and, and political power as well, where they both meet in Whitehall, then mm. they're like, well, we, we need our budget. Well, we need to cut your budget. Yeah. Well, we, we, we need this aerophone. Uh, better fucking find a way to get one on you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we need another fucking 50 battleships, mate. Sorry. Yeah. You can, and the, remember the First World War? Yeah, they had uh, they had radio communications on battleships. Mm. But all the admirals grew up in the age of sail. Mm. Now, you went from sailing ships mm. to dreadnoughts and battleships in a space of 30 years. Yeah. You know, 50 years even, like 18, mm. 1890 to the age the battleship died out of it, 1950. Mm. So 1914, all the guys who were admirals on those modern, heavily armoured, 15-inch guns battleships in yeah. modern technology mm. grew up and learnt their trade on sailing on ships. fucking pirate boat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the, well, steam certainly, yeah. but the age of sail definitely. Mm. So... They're afraid of that in a way, because the Battle of Jutland, 1916, First World War, they're still running flags up the mast. Mm. Well, you know, to communicate. Mm. So this, they this would have been a massive a fucking thing. They used to have that, that, that language, didn't they? What was it called? Semaphore. That's it. The whole flags, don't you? Mm. Different. Well, mm. you run a series of flags up the mast, yeah. but each flag means a phrase or a word, mm. but in different combinations. That fr that those flags can mean different. I think there was something like, off the top of my head, and I could be wrong. Correct me. There's something like 140 combinations of flags, 
the your communications officer has to know has to recognise and memorise yeah. and you're seeing that remember not in the age of sale when there's just a bit of gunpowder smoke floating about you see with steamers coal engines pumping out black smoke yeah. cordite gunpowder 50 inch guns you can't see and these battles aren't in the space of a few miles now they're over 20 miles over 40 miles so it'd be a lot easier to just pick up the walkie talkie it would wouldn't it hey <laughs> some ships over there <laughs> <laughs> Bizarre incident was one of many where Matthews would announce an invention only to fail at the last minute, for whatever reason to demonstrate it working successfully. It was also the genesis of the Major's love affair with Matthews and his inventions. More importantly, it marked the drawing of a line in the sand between Matthews essentially forcing ideas and the, uh, the, the mechanic traditions of the British scientific establishment. Matthews then faded from the public gaze until World War I. Mm. Now, in 1914, and faced with the prospect of a lengthy conflict, the British government was desperate for innovations which helped them wage war against Germany. Two inventions interested them greatly. The first was a ray which would disable the Zeppelins, and the second was a ray which could control unmanned aircraft. A reward of £25,000, and that's £1914. So that money probably lived the rest of your life on that fairly comfortably, mm. was offered to the person who came up with either. Matthews was convinced he could provide the latter and claims he developed a remote control system using cells containing selenium. After testing his invention on Edgebaston Reservoir, he demonstrated to Admiralty officials at Richmond Pen Park's Penn Pond. They were so impressed that Matthews received his cheque for £25,000 the following morning. Do you know what they use selenium for? Pretty sure it's shower gel and... No way. Yeah. So if I get enough shower gel, I can make a death ray. Shampoo. Fair or is it slowly killing me? <laughs> Probably both. Can I make a death ray or is it slowly killing me? Is it times like this I'm glad I'm bored? <laughs> Although it says I wash my head. <laughs> the fact that the Admiralty paid him 25 grand surely says a fair bit, doesn't it? There's got to be something to it. Because you, you don't just, I would imagine, dish it's, out it's not an, grand based on what one man promises It's you. not. It, he's obviously, he's demonstrated it, right? Mm. He's demonstrated it on Edge Baston Reservoir, and then he demonstrated it to Admiralty officials at Richmond Parks, Richmond Parks Pen Pond, mm. try saying that, <laughs> and they were so impressed that they just gave him 25 grand the next day. So he must have done something right. Something must have worked. They've seen potential. If, even if it wasn't where it needed to be, they saw potential in it. Uh, they must have done it, they wouldn't have. 25 grand at that time was a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Or oh, he's a, a very skilled silver-tongued con man, isn't he? Mm -hmm. I like him. Me too. You know, he also married... I suppose we'll cover it, but like... You married a successful Polish actress yeah. later in life, didn't you? Well, she was, I think, opera singer. Yes. Who, he was her fifth husband. But she was loaded, probably from all the divorces, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, she was a big deal when he got married to her. And he wore... I, I listened to people who grew up in the village being interviewed. They're very old at the time of the interview. But, oh, um, like, yeah, he basically built a fortified mm. base... Near, yeah. uh, in the Welsh well, hills and valleys. Their descriptions of him was like, you know, an incredibly well-dressed, eccentric, you know, blue... So that was a cat. Blue suits and... That was the cat knocking the microphone off the thing. Thank you, Chester. You know, blue suits and monocles and, you know, he, and he drove a giant American car 
which would look insanely out of place in a tiny Welsh village okay. with its tiny little streets. But yeah, he was a, he was a we well-dressed, could... eccentric cad, I think they call them, don't mm. they? You know, them types. Yes. Yet there was something not quite right about this event. Although the remote control boat had been proven to the Admiralty officials and a vast sum of money paid, the idea never manifested as workable in practice. The Admiralty, for whatever reason, chose not to pursue Matthew's selenium control system, which, besides operating boats remotely, was claimed to detonate explosives at a distance. Was this ignorance and jealousy on behalf of the War Office, or the first hint that Matthews wasn't quite as genuine as he appeared? Hmm. Again, Matthews lapsed into obscurity. He reappeared briefly, yet significantly, in 1921, breaking new ground by producing the world's first talking picture. What? Yeah. He claims to have. No, it's bullshit. Yeah. Breaking new ground by producing the world's first talking picture. There's a short interview with the explorer, Ernest Shackleton, prior to his fatal attempt at circumnavigating the Antarctic. This film is important because it proves Matthews, despite the hype and ambiguity which often attended his in inventions, was not a charlatan and in many ways was years ahead of his time. Oh, on Wikipedia it said it. It wasn't the first. It wasn't the first, but there were. Exp uh, there was a different way of doing it, apparently. But he's still. Uh, I guess the point is, he's still a pretty clever, yeah, decent scientist. I mean, we haven't got them in Britain. The Americans yeah. have got them. Various mm. other people, you know, had, had developed them. But hey, look at him. Yeah. And it was a different method. It wasn't the best method, which mm. the everyone else used. But it was a method. He got it. Fair play. Unfortunately, the British film industry told oh. Matthews that talkies would never catch on. Uh, what a fucking idiot. Just a few years later, the Americans embraced the talking film and revolutionised the movie industry forever. Why was Grindel Matthews' invention not taken up? Why indeed? So the, um, the static carnage of World War I had set inventors thinking about how the impasse of trench warfare could be broken. All the talk was of some kind of ray, which could disable men and machines at great distances. Both H.G. Wells and R. Ryder Haggard had produced fictional accounts of such a death ray years earlier, as fortunes know. Whatever can be imagined can be invented. Or can it? Well, it can. Mm. I mean, Arthur C. Clarke wrote a short science fiction story, invented the communication satellite. Mm. I wrote a short science fiction story, and I invented bad science fiction. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, to a point, I think that's true. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I could imagine, like, a, a mystical sex robot slave <coughs> servant that appears out of thin air whenever I think about it, would I? Yeah. Harder to invent. Harder to invent. Mm. But, you know, if that's the beauty of the human condition. We tend to imagine stuff and we mm. work towards it. Yeah, that's one of our positive qualities. Yeah, absolutely. So Matthews turned his, idea, his mind to the idea of a possible death ray in the autumn of 1923. After reading reports of French airplanes dropping out of the skies over Germany, he said, I realised the Germans had found an invisible ray that put the magnetos of the aircraft out of action. I concentrated on efforts to discover what it was, and with the electric ray now at my command, I think I have succeeded. Select journalists were given a demonstration of Matthew's ray, stopping a motorcycle engine at a distance of 50 feet, which is 15 metres. I am That's confident, cool. Matthews announced. Mm. Well, yeah that if I have facilities for, de for developing it, I can stop airplanes in flight. Indeed, I believe the ray is sufficiently powerful to destroy the air, to explode powder magazines, 
and destroy anything on which it rests. Fuck yeah. So you aim that ray, you, you ramp the fucking amps up, yeah. you blind the infantry coming at you, you spray that across them, all their ammunition explodes mm. and they're carrying on them. And I hope it makes some cool 1920s sci-fi sound effect Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a big searchlight. Yeah. Well, I also, I don't know if it'll come up in the article, but before I forget, he invented the bat signal. Yes, we'll get that later on. Yeah. Up, yeah, yeah. Oh, did he? We'll tell you. Yeah, about the that. stuff oh, projecting the clouds. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll give a little bit away because it's quite fun. Mm. He projected a giant angel into the clouds over somewhere in Britain, oh. and people oh, dropped to no. their knees thinking oh, the second no. coming had happened. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> the priest put down the child. <laughs> shit! Shit! Sipped himself back up, and <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think your guns were real. Uh. <laughs> uh. Uh. So thus, the death ray was born in the mind of the popular press. Matthews capitalised on his newfound fame, being well aware that his stock was not particularly high with the British government. So rather than approach him directly, he went to his old friends, the press. Uh. I bet you it was the fucking Daily Mail. They were only too happy to help, and fanciful accounts of the death ray and what it could do began to appear by like late 1923. Bemused by Matthew's sudden reappearance, but fearful that the publicity he was enjoying would lead to another nation bidding for the death ray, the War Office was forced to act. Clever boy. Swan their pride and suspend their disbelief, in February 1924, the Air offered Matthews the opportunity to demonstrate his death ray to them. Matthews at first ignored their advances, perhaps hoping the government would simply accept his assertion, the raid did as it said. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me the fucking money. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> it works. It fucking shoots down planes. Mm. It'll blow up men. It'll blow up the ammunition the men are carrying. It'll take up motorcycles. It'll do everything you want it to do. But Just weapon. do some money. Yeah, just, just pay for it first. Yeah. <laughs> When no such offer was forthcoming, clever <laughs> boys, Matthews contacted the press with further dramatic claims, and by April 1924, the death ray, or more properly the idea of the death ray, was world news. The London Star announced the invention as a, quote, wonderful invisible ray which has turned into fact the dreams of Wells fiction. Yeah, this wonderful ray that fucking sets men on fire yeah. <laughs> and brings planes out of the sky. It's wonderful. Yeah, quoting again, and they hadn't even seen it yet. Mm. Uh, a wide-eyed star reporter was ushered into Matthew's London laboratory and shown a bowl of gunpowder being ignited by the ray. Matthews is at pains to explain that this was only the beginning, a small-scale demonstration of what could easily be the destruction of ammunition dumps at huge distances or the destruction of aeroplane engines in flight. Mm. If you can take out the enemy's gunpowder's shell dump, I mean, wow. That's pretty big. Remember, it's going to help. Remember mm. the scale of a world war. Mm. So I think it's about the scale. Now, with 1916, the Battle of the Somme, the British fired a million shells Fucking hell. <laughs> in a space of a few weeks. Jeez. Battle of Verdun, uh, 1916. The Germans spent seven weeks bringing in munitions. Seven weeks lead new railway tracks to bring stuff in. Fuck. Think of the scale of how many shells you've got stacked up waiting for transportation to those artillery batteries who are just bang, next one in, bang, next one in. And if they're all firing in sequence, they're all going, 
They were shelling the shit out of you 24-7 for weeks on end mm. until that main assault comes in. I wonder if people got shell shock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Certainly days on end. No, there's always shelling going on. Mm. You know, the shelling doesn't stop. It's just before a major attack, mm. it becomes more intensified in a certain area. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Let me guess. Boom, <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> well done, Baldrick. No. <laughs> 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 So, if you can sit your death ray on top of a helicopter, on top of a hill, mm. and aim it so many miles away where, you've, where your aircraft has spotted that ammunition dump and you blow it up, hey, you're laughing there. Yeah. So, uh, the scientific principles on which the ray worked were glossed over by all concerned. Ionised air carrying an electrical current was mentioned by some commentators. Others taught of exponentially short radio waves. Matthews wasn't saying... And no one appeared to be asking the right questions, certainly not the press. To them, the idea of a death ray was enough. Yeah, it's, it's just quite a funny turn of phrase, isn't it? Like, the, the scientific thing was overlooked. <laughs> yeah, but that's the Daily Mail for you. Yeah. He said it worked. He says it worked, but it's fine, we can have that. A source close to the scientists says mm. <laughs> Still, the government wouldn't commit itself, and now Matthews was receiving offers from other countries, notably big business concerns in France. Oh, can't let Frenchies have it, can we? No. By mid-May 1924, the press is reporting, quote, While the British government is interested, it is not willing to assist him in perfecting his experiments, and he is unable to resist the princely offer made to him by the, uh, Lyon's firm? Yeah, Lyon is in, in France, right? Despite their initial interest, strong doubts were beginning to be expressed by the Air Ministry. They had been duped or conned many times by these inventors who had made great claims but failed to deliver the promised inventions. They may even have been duped by Matthews himself. An internal government memo coyly suggested that Matthews' 1915 payment of £25,000 was largely due to the influence of one particular lord and was not entirely deserved. Worryingly, it also suggested that inquiries should be instituted for the Birmingham police records as to Mr. G. Matthews' past history. Mm. It's also worth pointing out, though, the air ministry between the wars turned down... Uh, I can't... God, what's his name? He invented the jet engine, basically. Okay. He was a British guy, mm. invented the jet engine in the 1920s, 1930s, yeah. and the air ministry went, yeah, we'll have that. Mm. Never utilised it further. Put it on the shelf, yeah. and then thought, didn't even uh, actually pay the £15 fee to renew the patent. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> so by 1939, we could have had jet engine fighters, and we didn't, huh. because no, no, the, the propellers were fine. Propellers are fine, yeah. but we saw everyone else having it, and in the end, the Germans, in the end, got the, the technology themselves, mm. put it into the air, and we were successful with it for a period of time. Fuck's sake! So they should, they should have been quite keen to um should have jumped on it to get on this old death ray. But they'd also been duped before. Yeah. So you got this guy promising, hey, I can fire this fucking satellite, this this mm. beam, and it'll take down an aircraft. Mm. Like, Fuck off, mate. Yeah. Once bitten, twice shy. Yeah. Matthews, now in negotiations to sell his invention in France, was persuaded to return to England to demonstrate his death ray to the three armed forces on the 26th of April 
at noon, 1 o'clock and 1.30pm. But the much vaunted death ray demonstration was something of an anti-climax. After being ushered into Matthew's laboratory, various leading government officials were shown just two examples of the ray's efficiency. Osglim light bulb was held in the path of the ray. When the ray was switched on, the bulb lit. A small motor mounted on the bench was then started and immediately brought to a halt by the ray. But in all fairness, he's not saying, I can bring down an aircraft with this mm. right now. Eventually. Like he's saying, give me the money, mm. and I'll develop it to the point where yeah. I can. Yeah. Isn't he? Yeah. And yeah, I can stop this storm motor, I can light this light bulb up mm. right now. Give me the money. You think what we can do if it's giant? Give me the money. Mm. From these experiments, both easily carried out using scientific techniques available at the time, Matthews expected the full confidence of the British government. He would be disappointed. Immediately following the demonstration, a meeting was convened by the Air Ministry at 4pm to discuss the death ray. Those present at the demonstration were now joined by representatives from each of the armed forces. Each commented on what they had seen in Matthews' laboratory. The reports were not positive. Major <laughs> Wimperis from the Air Ministry stated, I was rather surprised to find the inventor should, ma should imagine that one would be impressed. Mm. The Admiral's, Admiralty's F. Smith also doubted what he had seen, adding that Matthew's assistants even appeared ignorant of how the ray operated. Smith was also concerned that when he suggested Matthew's move the cycle motor from the lab bench to the floor, Matthew's did not like the suggestion and explained further he was in a great hurry. <laughs> because then you will see the mechanism that I have underneath. <laughs> <laughs> the motor which in fact switched it off um, yeah so odd behavior for a man who wished to convince the british government of one of the greatest inventions yet seen smith sensed tricky was afoot adding that he had been visited by the mysterious quote oh pseudonym mm. appleton mm. possibly an mi5 agent who claimed that matthews had no scientific knowledge as such but liked to experiment with quote all sorts of gadgets this source suggested that matthews bought things up in a certain stage and no further, he would then raise money on what he'd achieved. In short, a scientific confidence trickster. Well, good. He's, he's, he's a fucking used car salesman of the science world, isn't it he? Is, he's a black artist. It's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it is interesting, because he's like, well, okay, well, I can stop this motor, put it on the floor now. Mm. End of time. Mm. End of time, like half an hour, next boy's in. Uh, I said well, they are next. I'd still be impressed if, if you held up a light bulb and it lit. Because you can't see the ray, can you? So No, but there was a... You hold it up to the ray and it lights up. That, I'd be impressed with yeah. that. I'd be like, hey man. But there was a saying that that was achievable with science at the time. Oh, okay. Well, test it like. Yeah, so he's like, well, yeah, we can do that. How's that going to... His argument back was, well, yeah. So the technology won't be that hard to... Improve scale up. to scale up because we can do it now with this, with this light bulb and this motor. Give me the money. But it is difficult to scale up, isn't of it? Of course it is. That's it. Give me the money. Show mm. me the money. And perhaps you know you're not going to suddenly. So you're there demonstrating it, and they're like, "So come on then, how does it work?" Well, I'm not telling you. Yeah. And you would have maybe briefed your lab people to like these cunts are going to try asking you. Don't tell them how it works. Don't tell them what it's based on. Maybe he's just trying to protect his invention. Of course. Or he's full of shit. Yeah. There's... Maybe. You can't tell, can you? No. We'll never know. Just want to do the next paragraph. Do you want to go my game on then? Furthermore, Appleton claimed Matthews was working the press. 
but had now lost control of it. The explicit conclusion of this meeting was that the government did not trust Matthews, yet they were loath to dismiss him completely as long as even a small chance remained that he could be onto something. No government wanted to turn down the death rate only for it to turn up later in the arsenal of an enemy. Of course. Air Vice Marshal Salmond wrote immediately to Matthews suggesting further, more detailed demonstrations. Matthews replied he could not understand why the government would not accept the evidence he had presented to them. Just hey, look what I've shown you. Don't you believe me? You know you want to. You know you want to grab me that cheque. He had now lost patience with England and was offering the ray to the French. Following this breakdown of communications, events took a turn that was both dramatic and ludicrous. <laughs> Tuesday the 27th of May 1924 saw scenes which could have come straight from an Ealing comedy. The Daily Express summed up the farce perfectly a day later with its front page headline, Melodramatic Death Ray Episodes. Their lean article <laughs> opined, Melodrama was seldom surpassed, has seldom surpassed the heights which were reached in yesterday's death ray episodes. Hurried legal action in the High Court was followed by an unsuccessful motor car chase. Wow! And an air journey by Mr. Grindel Matthews to Paris. So they chased him to the airport. He <laughs> yeah, jumped. Oh, imagine that! Imagine that! Where were we? What's 1924? Yeah. So we're looking at like big, those long car bonneted mm. jags yeah. racing through London's crowded London streets. Those big V8 was... engines roaring. He's in his own Rolls Royce, screaming away. Gets to a private airport. Literally drives straight up to the tarmac, jumps on a fucking plane, the French company are there getting him on. Come on, come on! It's insane. I love, I love it. it. It's fantastic. They, they couldn't... Um, Why is there a film of this? You mm. couldn't just contact the airport, you know, you've got to like, fuck, we've got to try and get there before he does. Oh dear. What if they'd have bought his fucking walkie-talkie invention? <laughs> there would be a problem, wouldn't there? So what happened then? It was right? a belated renewal of conversations on this side of the channel, a reopening of negotiations in France, and a deluge of claims by rival inventors. Oh, well, there's always going to be people who are going to jump on that bandwagon. Beneath all, beneath all was the undertone of tragedy suggested by the terrible powers which are attributed to the Ray. At 10.40 that morning, the High Court in London granted an injunction to Matthew's financial backers, restraining him from saying the rights of the death ray. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah. At 10.45 a.m., a blissfully unaware Matthews set off for Croydon Aerodrome and a lunchtime flight to Paris. Three minutes later, Major H. Wimperis arrived at Grindel Matthews' laboratory in an attempt to further broker a deal. As they were leaving, Matthews' financial backers and their solicitor arrived bearing the recently issued injunction. Finding Matthews gone, they hired the fastest car available. Oh man, I'm the fastest car available since 1924. It'll do 80 miles to the gallon, sir. <laughs> and sped to Croydon to prevent him leaving France. They roared onto the runway, seconds too late. Oh man. And could only watch in dismay as a small male plane headed towards the channel. Oh, is it? You can actually go into the fucking. What is it? What's the fucking. Oh, give me a, a hire car, hire service. Uh, rent a car. Rent a car. <laughs> gonna, give me the fastest car available. You've got no idea to stop a death ray going to France. I would love This it. is national security. Imagine having the chance to say that. <coughs> I'm going to say Give me the fastest car you've got immediately. Yeah. This is a matter of national security. I need the fastest car you've got immediately. Some eccentric is flying a death ray to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking a minute. I want to do that. <laughs> if I ever rent a car, I want to say it once. 
Yeah. I'm going to do it at the airports. So there's several. You know, I've got a Euro car, I've got a rental car, you know, whatever, Enterprise, whoever it is. Give me the fastest thing you've got. Well, he went to France, didn't he? He did. What happened in France? Question later, E. Gubbins. <laughs> One of Matthew's investors remained utterly persuaded of the ray's potency, saying, I am convinced that the ray is the most terrible invention which has been created in recent years. It is of such a nature that it will make wars impossible if held by Britain. Other countries could not hope to combat a power armed with such a weapon. Matthews, meanwhile, was again negotiating terms with the French and was met at Le Bourget airfield by Eugene Royer prior to a meeting that evening with the director of the Chantier du Rhône, an important Lyon's steel firm. Meanwhile, the deluge of publicity which attended Grindle Matthews' standoff with the British government brought a flood of other death ray inventors out of the woodwork. <laughs> At least ten people, it seemed, had been harbouring death rays in their private laboratories and sheds. This is what I love at this period. You've got people who've got private laboratories and they're just working on shit it's in their sheds. Well, you building dad death ray. Yeah. I'm just going down the shed, love. Going to work on the death ray. <laughs> You've been down there all week, every night. Maybe I spend some time with the kids. All right, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, yeah. It'll only be the aristocracy that's doing this, though. You know, because I mean, the, work, the poor people are no. fucking working the factories and down the mines. Genuinely, you had people like that who would invent shit like yeah, this. The odd person, but they didn't have the money or the all the resources, well, they the time. Were, Second World War, there was literally people in sheds inventing like fucking mines and time delay fuses and things like that. Just on their own spare time. Barnes Wallace resigned from Vickers to work on the bouncing bomb. Did mm. it? A, yeah, he had some government funding, but that dried up. He had to had to fucking use his contacts to get an aircraft and a pilot and drop the damn yeah, thing. You know, he had, it was like it cost five thousand quid mm. to make a prototype. All right, we'll give you five thousand quid. No, didn't mm. work. Could have another. But no, no you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Well, so he had to raise the money himself to get it fucking yeah. done. Bouncing bombs. Well. You'll be surprised to know, Ben, that of these ten people that came out of the woodwork... There we go. Um, None of them were successful. Well, several of the investor, uh, inventors were also investigated by the War Office, but, as with Matthews, none could back their claims with meaningful demonstrations. The press were incensed when they discovered Matthews was dealing with the French and wouldn't let the matter drop. It does seem very much of the Daily Mail... Yeah. There's a telegram, actually, with the ones he sold it to. Which... He was their boy and he's... And, and he's gone bad, but okay, so once again the government was forced by popular opinion to make official statements on 28th of May, questions were asked in the House of Commons. Mr Leach, Under Secretary for Air, was questioned by Commander Kenworthy. What a name. <laughs> who demanded to know what steps were being taken to prevent an invention of the death ray's magnitude from leaving the country. Leach reiterated the government's position. Quote, we are not in a position to pass judgment on the value of this ray because we have not been allowed to make proper tests. Therefore, whether there is anything in it or not still remains unexplored. The departments have been placed in a difficult position in dealing with the matter, partly because of the vigorous press campaign conducted on behalf of this gentleman, and partly because this is not the first occasion on which the inventor has put forward a scheme for which extravagant claims have been made. The result is that the departments are not able to accept Mr. Grindel Matthews' statement about how his invention, about this invention, without a scrutiny which he is not prepared to face. So it's interesting. I mean, they're debating mm. it in the Commons. Yeah. 
Well, it's, it's all down to the fucking newspapers, isn't it? Yeah. If they hadn't mentioned it, well, no one would... I can guarantee you that Commander Kenworthy, great name, yeah. is like, Daily Telegraph, Daily Mail, mm. but he owned him. Yeah. He's a military officer, he's getting his MP salary, which probably wasn't... He was a bit at this time, but not, not what it is nowadays, probably. You could tell that... And then you've got the... Uh, he's a military officer, mm. not on great pay. You could tell that he probably wishes he could just say, for fuck's sake... Give us the death ray! The man's a fucking kook. There's no fucking <laughs> death rays. France haven't got one. We haven't got one. Nobody's got yeah, one. Yeah, but what if just France get, get off one? my dick? What if France do get one? Well, if there's a possibility, the British Empire, the mm. British fucking Empire, mm. the preeminent world power at this point, doesn't have that weapon, and the French get it, mm. you've lost your empire. Yeah. Well, Jacob, well I tell you what, we'll, we'll focus your our death ray on London, mm. and we'll blow it up. Mm. Give us your empire. All right. <laughs> what can you do? We haven't got it. We've got no. What would happen? Just one morning, you just have all these like planes come over yeah. and just obliterate our fleet. Yeah. All of a sudden, we've got no fleet there. Yeah. yeah. They've all been. Well, we aim. It, we aim it at the Grand Fleet in Scotland. Yeah. You got well, our navy now. It's a good job. It didn't fucking work then, didn't it? So. <laughs> Do you want to go back to it? Yeah, um, go. furthermore, His Majesty's government believed that the conditions under which the demonstrations were made by Mr. Matthews were just such that it was not possible to form any opinion as to the value of the device. Carefully worded or not, the implication seemed to be that Grindel Matthews at best may have not demonstrated his invention under correct laboratory conditions and at worst had brazenly attempted to defraud the <laughs> British government. <laughs> Well, a lot of people have done that recently, so I mean, I can't blame him too much. The statement went on to stress the government had been at pains to be scrupulously fair with Matthews, offering the chance to repeat the demonstration. All they required to be convinced was that he used his ray to stop the engine of a petrol-driven motorcycle engine provided by them. On successful completion of this test, Matthews would then be given £1,000 as a retainer for 14 days while the government considered the basis of further financial negotiations for the purchase or development of his invention. As yet, the government didn't even want to know how the ray worked, just for it to be demonstrated to their satisfaction using their own laboratory conditions. Not an unreasonable request. And it isn't. No, it's if not. If you're going to fork out a grand for 14 yeah. days' work and a thousand pounds again yeah. in 1914, 1924, lot of money. A lot of money. To stop the motorbike that we're going to provide. Yeah. Not yours. No yours. That's what you'd say that's pretty fair mm -hmm. and like clinical, isn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. Um, Can't say fairer than that. No, he still couldn't do it. No. So I don't know. <sighs> so I think I can tell what Mike thinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike is a science officer, so he's got yeah. the preeminent opinion uh, of the subject. Yeah. He's got his, um, his blue shirt on. <laughs> so this statement ended somewhat tersely. Mr. Grindle Matthews has refused this offer, and it is clear he has left the country. Unfazed by this scepticism, Grindle Matthews, still in France, announced he now had eight bids under consideration. Charles Dick, <laughs> yeah. of the British consulate in Paris, met with Matthews. Dick yeah. had investigated <laughs> Matthews' French backer, Eugene Royer, and found him to be untrustworthy and on the point of bankruptcy. <laughs> Matthew seemed unconcerned with the news, happy to work for Royer, seemingly to spite the British government for daring to ask the most vulgar of displays. Proof. <laughs> 
Dick's subsequent letter to the Air Ministry contained a stark character sketch of Matthews, observing, quote, It would certainly be advisable to recommend the very greatest caution in dealing with Mr. <laughs> Matthews if he is in any way connected with Royer. If such a connection comes about after that warning I gave Mr. Matthews, I should feel obliged to consider that the latter was unworthy of confidence as the former. So they're both scumbags. If he, if he works with them, they're both scumbags. <laughs> yeah. It's just not a good look, is it? Like, you know, you're obviously not considering the... You know, shouldn't he want the British government to have it? Because he is British. You would think um, that. But no, he wants the fucking money. Well... An Air Ministry official summed up the problem succinctly saying this invention is either worth a large sum of money or it's worth nothing. No inventor could reasonably expect the government to pay a large sum of money for a patent until it had been fully tested if the invention fulfills all that is claimed for it. The inventor has nothing to fear from official sources. Well, he does, because they're going to find out his invention's bollocks and doesn't <laughs> fucking work and has absolutely no potential and he really shouldn't have been given that 25 grand back in the day. Uh, apparently he yeah. spent all of expensive hotel rooms. Yes, he did. Yeah. Oh, the guy must have had, because when he, he goes and lives on the fucking hill in Wales, well, on a mountain top in Wales, in Clydeck, quite an isolated area, his laboratory has its own private runway. Yeah, he's a so, fly-in. Yeah, you've got to have the... <laughs> some serious capital Absolutely. to be able to build that for yourself. Yeah. Mm, it's backtracking now, doesn't it? Yeah. The 1st of June 1924 saw Matthews return to London and he was angry. Ooh. In an interview with the Sunday Express, he defended his life's work even to the point of raging at those who referred to his notorious invention as a ray. It was, he claimed, a beam, oh. not a ray. <laughs> it's a death beam, damn it. Beam. Death Sorry. beam. Right. Although, quite what the difference was, he failed to say. <laughs> Matthews still believed he had a deal with Rier and was insistent his death ray was all packed and registered for France for further development. I don't think they're going to call his bluff, are they? Mm. Well, they are going to call his bluff, should they? Yeah. Once again, the press took up Matthews' cause and allowed him, allowed him space to rail against all those who doubted him. In response to Lord Birkenhead, who had written the Times criticising his ray, Matthews argued that it was this attitude which had lost Britain the advantage in many other areas of warfare, such as aeronautics and torpedo development. Despite all the talks of ideas and possibilities, as yet few people outside Grindel Matthews' intimate circle had actually seen his death ray apparatus. This was rectified in the summer of 1924, with the release of the film The Death Ray, made by <laughs> Pathé, yeah. who are still going now. Yeah, you Pathé see them films. prop up with the star films, mm -hmm. Pathé mm -hmm. films. The 25-minute film was basically a, docu a drama documentary, an advertisement for Harry Gundel Matthews and all his works. From an entertainment perspective, the film made great viewing income as it did in the wake of the massive publicity given the death ray furore. Yet, there was no evidence the subject matter of the film had any basis in reality. Still show fantastic apparatus claimed to the death ray, but which bear no relation to the small Heath Robinson-like machine demonstrated the government weeks earlier. Poetic license was clearly at work. And a Heath Robinson is a small generator. Okay. Diesel, little diesel powered generator you'd, uh, they used to use in the war, between mm -hmm. wars. Right. And in, in the Second World War, in war work, people would do war work, mm. making little bits for engines in their basements. Mm. Okay. And you could have a Heath Robinson generator, diesel powered. 
Well, Keep the lights on for you. Yeah. Power your tools, that kind of thing. That's it. The death ray in which Mr. Grindel Matthews is shown pulling levers as a machine and a rat is shown falling dead in its cage. <laughs> a bicycle stopping and airplanes galore falling down in flames in the sky. From the scientific point of view, they don't say there's a, a proof that it was the ray that killed the rat. I do not suppose that. The death ray is intended to be regarded as of any value at all. One does not for a moment disbelieve Mr. Grindel Matthews. At the same time, a film which could have been so obviously faked leaves one simply with the same amount of information as the one I had before, say perhaps as the shape of the machine, which is sort of searchlight with three megaphone-like ears attached to it. Mm. There remains, however, the remarkable personality of Mr. Grindel Matthews himself. One cannot help being at least bewildered by the psychology of a scientist who can enter the spirit of a piece of mummery like this. Um, if you're a mummer, you're a faker. Right. Mummery. Which is so completely, that is, so quite clear he was acting for all he was worth. In view of his many experiments, it can evidently have been no great emotional strain to Mr. Grindel Matthews to pull a lever with the intention of doing nothing worse than stopping a bicycle wheel. Yet he pulls that lever with as much impressive gravity as if he were about to some operation upon which life and death depended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, has he got it? Hasn't he got it? Yeah, it's just fucking People weird. are willing just to pay money. But is have it, it off you if you just demonstrate yeah. it in advance. But is it just... He's, he's just really press savvy. And let's face it, journalists are as dumb as fuck now as they mm. were back in 1924. They'll jump on anything to sell papers. I mean, look at the, look at the weird news we have. Yeah. Oh, he definitely you know, used he used the press. Weren't Russia developing a death ray yeah. about fucking eighteen months ago when we started doing this? Well, it said in, in the article itself that like if it wasn't for the press, the government wouldn't have they would have just ignored it. They were forced to act because the, the fucking if the press is talking about this death ray constantly, well then the public is concerned, uh, and obviously we don't need to be seen to be allowed to go to France. But did he yeah, have it, well, didn't he? Well, you can't say the French. You mm. can't say the Americans. You can't say the fucking Germans. No. <laughs> you, you can't say the Italians. The, the British Empire mm. is the preeminent empire on the planet. And in 1924, that's mm. where we're going to stay. Mm. Yeah. We are the boys. Or certainly we had that illusion of power. Mm. Well... I think before we get into whether or not what we think about the existence or non-existence of the death ray, do you want to go through, because it says there, because the guy did invent some stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. The walkie-talkie mm. thing probably did work. Yeah. So the saga of the death ray ends. Matthews never managed to successfully demonstrate his invention to anyone's satisfaction. Whether this was because it was a complex money-making scam or whether the world's governments were incapable of grasping the enormity of his ideas is unclear. We do know, however that no one ever developed a death ray, nor did Matthews pursue the invention further. Instead, he went back to America, where he worked as a consultant for Warner Brothers, putting his genuine skills in sound and vision technology to good use. Mm. By the late 1920s, Matthews was back in Britain with a series of new, bold inventions which actually worked. His piece de resistance was a project to project, was a device to project advertisements onto clothes. <laughs> On Christmas Eve 1930, he stunned London by projecting the image of an angel onto clothes of Hampstead Heath. The apparition was so realistic that people miles away apparently fell to their knees in worship, believing the second coming was at hand. Uh -huh. 
He followed this with demonstrations in New York, where he projected the stars and stripes 10,000 feet, which Fucking is 3,000 meters, above the city. Pretty the invention clearly worked. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. It's, it's, it's the bat signal. Yeah, that's where um, he got literally yeah. Bob Kane got the idea from. Uh-huh. This invention clearly worked. Yet once again, Matthews is beset by problems. Although the invention could have revolutionised the emerging advertising industry, no one seemed interested. That seems crazy to me. Yeah, it seems I mean, like at, a very look, big missed opportunity. Look at the start of if you read the first book of Red Dwarf. Yeah. the book, the novelisation, the Coke Wars, well, the Coke Wars. Uh, where the Nova 5 the Crichton yeah. and the crew is sent to basically detonate certain stars or smell out uh, yeah. what is it Coca-Cola? Coke, think, drink, yeah. drink Coke drink Coke or something in like. the night sky above yeah. Earth for 50 years yeah. winning the advertising wars immediately you think because they slap adverts on everything that's oh, fuck a flat yeah. surface it seems like a missed trick to me maybe there's something to maybe I suppose I you might know. dazzle airplanes. Yeah, I was just thinking maybe there's yeah, a ten, Actually, yeah, 10,000 feet, yeah, maybe it a 1924 airliner. Well, maybe it all depends on maybe mm. if the clouds aren't quite right. It yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, you got to have a cloudy night. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, there's, there must be a reason. If, if they could have made money from it, advertisers, I'm pretty sure they'd have been on it by now. Yeah. So uh, well, what, the, what happens? Well, the invention there? clearly worked. Yeah, once again, Matthews was beset by problems. Basically, dark, yeah, hang on. although the invention could have revolutionised the emerging advertising industry, no one seemed interested. Matthews had little time to reflect on this new failure as darker clothes were gathering. And in 1931, he faced bankruptcy. His bankruptcy papers made quite interesting reading. The question, what is your full name? Answer, Harry Grindle Grindle. <laughs> Grindle Matthews, it seems, wasn't even his real name. The bankruptcy inquiry laid bare his financial and personal affairs, reducing his claims and inventions to mere transactions in a ledger, book, profit and loss. The papers revealed a series of loans and investments made to Matthews, none of which made money, but which had led him to live in hotels and luxury rented accommodation where he developed his various inventions. Undeterred, Matthews bent back from bankruptcy and by 1934, he had raised sufficient funds for a new generation of financial backers to relocate to South Wales. There he became a semi-recluse, building a fortified laboratory with its own private airfield on the summit of Tor Cloud near Swansea. He soon became the subject of local law and legend, with the police arriving in response to claims that his rays were causing illness among the local population. Other stories spread that car engines would stop if they drove too near Matthew's mountain fastness. Uh. You know, amazing. He's got a super. He's, he's, he's built a super villain lair yeah, on top of a mountain yeah. in Wales with its own private airstrip. Yeah. A quick escape, no doubt, or to sell the idea to France. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> I did hear on one of the things I listened to about him that he was interviewing villagers and stuff that they did find what they believed to be a German parachute discarded. In the grounds of his uh, laboratory. How did you find a, a German parachute? I don't know. Big, I was thinking, like, you know, in that Bond film where he jumps off a cliff. Oh, yeah, it's got the flag. <laughs> the Union Jack. But is there uh, not. I think it's a, was every German parachute have a Nazi flag on it? <laughs> have a swastika on the red yeah. background? Is there not some way of just yep, saying. German parachute, uh, that. Can't uh, knock them. Is not just say, like, made in Germany on the label? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah possibly. Marder in Deutschland. <laughs> Either way. Mit Pride. Or, Owned by Helmut. 
<laughs> Helmets reserve. Yeah. Somebody in the village, the story is that so they find a parachute that they think is German for some reason. So did somebody in Germany send a spy to find out if the death ray was real or not? Supposedly. Or if he had anything useful. Because it would be a fairly easy place, I would imagine. Because well, it's, you know, it's, it's near the coast. Yeah, but it's also a long, well, it's a long way to get to. I mean, mm. they, they didn't have that. aircraft carriers, the Germans. Mm. But they did kind of come with this idea of launching a seaplane off a U-boat. Mm. But I'm not sure whether that was later in the war or they had that earlier on. So it could be. It's, it's, a, it's a long ass way to fly. And chances are, because the Germans didn't really have a long-range bomber. Mm. If it flew to Swansea, chances are it was ditching the sea on the way home. Yeah, he might. Well, he might have ditched it. So the the, the guys jumping out, and then yeah. the crew were ditching in the sea and getting picked up. Yeah. So it would have, which wasn't beyond the realms of possibility. It might have been. It could have been rumour, because from the sounds of it, there was, as is totally natural, there was all sorts of rumour in the village. Of course. Uh, around this, I did like a story that I heard that because he, him, and his wife had two very uh, expensive Persian cats and they were very rare at the time in Britain like not many people had a Persian cat but uh, it went missing so he, he went down to the village in all his dapper suit and like I don't know offered the kids 20 quid to find this cat which at the time they're like fuck me it's like yeah. a month's wages or something yeah. like we'll find your fucking cat pretty more than that uh, and they did find his cat and he made them uh, <laughs> nice yeah. so it would have been interesting on the, the mad scientist on so, the hill yeah so he's got his mountain fastness Mm. He's financially secure. He embarked on another series of inventions. Seeing the Second World War was on the horizon, he began to develop the idea of aerial mines fired by rockets or suspended by barrage balloons. Do you know what barrage balloons are? No. They're um, yeah. basically big sort of uh, blimps. Mm. You hang at various feet above the city. If you ever see the mm. footage of Blitz in London, you'll see the mm. lot. Uh, they're held by steel cables. The idea is that planes can't fly too low to strafe uh, right. the streets or to mm. drop bombs. Uh, the Germans had dive bombers called the Stuka, and they would mm. come down with a dive and release their yeah. bombs. But if you've got these big barrage balloons with mm. steel cables, it'll rip the aircraft's wings off. Oh, awesome. They can't do it. Mm. Um, London was just a, a sea of barrage balloons yeah. in World War Two during nice. the Blitz. These, he claimed, could create an effective aerial ring of defence around cities such as London. This idea was discussed seriously by the government, but never taken up as a practical proposal. Matthew's mind never still then came up with the idea of the, the stratoplane, a plane which could fly on the edges of space. Do that now. Wow. Well, the Germans tried to do it in World War Two as well. In all fairness, yeah, they 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 had a not well the V. If, if let's say the Germans won World War Two, mm -hmm. they had the V two, which did go up to the edge of space and come down. If they'd have developed that further, another 10 years, remember, mm -hmm. they were a good... Well, hang on, they were on... 1945 to 1969 for the Americans to get to the moon. The Russians got to space in 1954. Mm -hmm. So the Germans, you'd argue, were 10 years ahead. So if they'd have got a stratoplane, which was planned, it was mm -hmm. planned to bomb America, because mm -hmm. you get up into the stratosphere, you use less fuel, go faster, yeah. use the gravity to push you across. Yeah. Bomb America, get back. Bomb New York, get back. That was their plan. Bomb New York. Show the Americans they're not invincible. Oh, yeah. Motherfuckers. Yeah. He became, so Grindel Matthews became a, Brit a member of the British Interplanetary Society 
and actively pushed towards ideas which led eventually to the development of rocket technology. And that's exactly the same as Werner von Braun did. Mm. He was in amateur rocket clubs. When the war finally arrived, Matthews noted that his inventions, such as the aerial mines, had been taken up. London would not have suffered as much as it did in the Blitz. He could now also see how useful his submarine detector would have been against a U-boat stalk in the Atlantic. But it was to no avail. Time had passed him by, and on the 11th of September 1941, Death Ray Matthews died of a massive heart attack. 11th of September 19... Oh, sorry, it's December. Pearl Harbor was December 1941. Genius or charlatan? Probably a little bit of both. Yeah, I'd go for that. Mm-hmm. Gundel Matthews inspired intense debate and massive publicity. Some of his inventions, such as the talking films, aerophone and sky projectors, certainly worked and were years ahead of their time. Other ideas, such as theories of space travel, will come to fruition later in the 20th century, but it was for the death ray that he was best known, and it was his failure to deliver the goods, which was his event, eventual downfall, leaving the scientific and political establishments of the era to look over his other inventions. Which is pretty true. Yeah, I think that's where I lay on this, is that obviously there was something to this guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, he had it. You know, he's a great mind. Yeah, I also think he was a blatant bit of a, bit of a cheeky Charlie. Showman. Who, yeah, it was... He had the press on his side. Yeah, he, had the pre- he was using the press as a weapon to basically strong-arm money out of the government. Like, if you don't give it me, I'm going to France. And he yeah. went to France. So yeah, I think a bit of a businessman charlatan in. He had the brains, I think. Mm. He certainly had something. I think. I think that. De- I don't think the death row idea is like complete rubbish. I mean, what are lasers now? Well, that's true, isn't it? It's no. But I, I mean, just think what, what Star Wars? There's mm. the Star Wars defense project is firing lasers and missiles, knock out the fucking warhead. Boom! There you go. It's it's just an evolution of that. Mm. Yeah, he was ahead of his time, I think. Thinking, yeah. I think ideas, but like you say, he was a bit of a bit of a con man. Liked the living luxury, with oh, sounds of oh, it. Yes. Oh, if he's spending twenty five grand, money. Mm. yeah. If he's staying spending twenty five grand, they got to give him a staying luxury hotel. Yeah, why not stay in no, cheap he, ones and yeah. spend some money on your death rate? No, in the nineteen twenty four, you're at the peak of Edwardian luxury. Mm. How much you would like a penthouse suite and a Ritz cost? You'd be talking hundreds of pounds a night. (laughs) Back in my day. Back in my day. You could stay at Hilton. (laughs) For a quid. And a pie and chips in your wheel. And ten pints. Change for pie and chips. And the bus. Buy your missus uh, flowers on the way home. Then were the days. Yeah, but you You got paid a penny an hour. (laughs) And you were working in the dark. (laughs) For For 12 hours a day. no environmental laws. And you had no Wi-Fi. Yeah. And you're 40, you've got no teeth, you'll be dead in five years. Yeah, sounds great. Brexit! Uh, so what, what are you going for, Ben? I, I go for the... I think he had... He was obviously some kind of... He invented stuff mm-hmm. that worked. The death ray, I think, maybe started off as something a bit patriotic, but it's kind of spiralled for him a little bit. Yeah. To the point where he's like, oh, kind of like the money, like the press attention. And if you've got press attention, you're in the mm. limelight. Why, why isn't Britain spending this money on this? Let's say the death ray I was I think he's sort of niche in the market. If the death ray was real, then he was a bit of a cunt for trying to go and sell it to France, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes, but at the same time, you're an inventor, you've got this million-dollar mm. idea. 
Please. Yeah, but it, I don't think it was there. I think he was bluffing. Yeah, me too. I think he was a bit of bluffing, that. Yeah. yeah. But we have to respect the man who invented the bat signal. There we go. Do you know what I mean? I respect him for having a fucking mountain fastness. Yeah. I like the angel thing. That was funny. That's, that's cool. funny. That's, that's cool. That's cool. You've got any history for that, yeah. at least. All like the stuff you could yeah. have projected. Uh, we'll do a big angel thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's on Christmas Eve. It's on Christmas Eve as well. Yeah. <laughs> For fuck's sake! He <laughs> thought, "Oh yeah, that'll cheer everyone up." All of a sudden, the fucking rapture's coming. <laughs> but no, actually, I, the rapture wasn't known until the well, nineteen eighties. But it, it wasn't. But they were thinking, "Oh shit, the second coming of Christ." Yeah. That was known at least. Yeah. Yeah. I like him. He's, yeah. a, he's, he's a rogue. I like a rogue. Yeah. And, and so was my favourite Star Wars character. I hope that because I do go to that area now and then for work. I doubt it's still there. Uh, I think there's still bits of it, maybe. During the Second World War, they dug up his um, his airfield so people couldn't land on it, basically. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. I hope there's some sort of plaque. Uh, there is a plaque of him, yeah. Oh, excellent. He should be known. He's got one of them blue plaques oh, that's cool. where he was born. I might maybe one day see if I can... I doubt it's still there, though. But, yeah, I, I, it was a fun little interesting story, I thought, because I'd never heard of the geese. No, did I. It's a very British story as well, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Eccentric, eccentric inventors. Yeah. You've got to love an eccentric inventor. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And there's pictures of him, if you Google him, listener, like, looking very comic booky with goggles on his head. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, Bit uh, like Doc Brown. Yeah. <laughs> he literally younger is. Doc Brown. <laughs> he ends up going to buy plutonium on <laughs> terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well even I'll agree with that, mate. Right? <laughs> films, yeah. He's the, he was a Doc Brown of his generation. He was. Well, I think that's Mr. Harry Grindle Matthews. Yeah. You can see the whole things on YouTube, listener, if you want that Pathé film that we talked about earlier. I didn't make it all the way through. It's only eight minutes, but it's an interesting document of the time, sort of. Just searched like with three <laughs> microphones, three <laughs> megaphones stuck to the side. It was a death ray. <laughs> well, good on him. God loves yeah. a trier, as they say. Well, so let's um, let's finish off on let's not oh, finish off, but let's let's look at some weird news to end, and then we'll do a bit of full Alex, the best game show. Until this. until Alex is proven yeah. a nonce oh, or no. not proven a nonce. Oh no! Well, I've heard nothing this week, so I'm assuming it's Ritz course. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Let's get the boys' views on this week's weird news. Okay, I'll do the first bit of weird news, guys. Oh, sorry, mate. I was just looking if there's any Alex Jones news that we should be aware of before we record. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> Following our recent Chernobyl episodes, uh, we've got a bit of a supernatural Chernobyl story. Ooh. Chernobyl staff saw him famous Mothman flying over the reactor just before deadly explosion. In the days leading up to the Chernobyl disaster, several of the workers in the control room of the nuclear power plant in northern Ukraine claimed to have seen the creature known as the Black Bird of Chernobyl. Mm. The supernatural creature they described as having a striking resemblance to Mothman is said to have risen above the horizon of Chernobyl and Pripyat before the explosion. Those unlucky enough to see the creature were said to be plagued with terrifying dreams and threatening phone calls. <laughs> hey, um. hey! It's I'm me, the Mothman. I'm Mothman. <laughs> he's hanging up. I'm I love Mothman. that the Mothman just crank calls. <laughs> hey. 
Your reactor's gonna blow. So hang on, I'm Mothman. Let's extrapolate this out, right? The Mothman's flying over, he sees someone spot him. The Mothman's then gotta make note of where that person lives. He's gotta go yeah. to a, a local records office or something. Or go, he's gotta look uh, yeah. up um go to a phone box. Yeah, he's gotta find their address, find them. He's, he's gotta squeeze himself into a fucking phone box. Yeah, he's huge. Got, what I'm saying is he's gotta do some secretary kind of you know, some legwork. There's some I'd imagine the Mothman has full admin staff. Okay, so just get me that person's name yeah, and the phone. Hey, I've never read the name. Give me your numbers in Pripyat. I've got your phone calls. Hello, it's me. <coughs> Hello, it's me, the Muffman. Um, I believe you saw me the other day. I like to think he's Keith Michael. Stump, okay. I like to think he's Michael Keaton's Batman. <laughs> I'm Muffman. Tell all your friends about. No, wait, don't tell all your friends. Just shut up. <laughs> you called me. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Some believe the Blackbird of Chernobyl was a form of the creature known as Mothman, whose presence Ooh. only ever meant one thing a catastrophic event would soon follow. And let's face it, it there wasn't much more fucking catastrophic than that, was there? No. He can't get much more. It was, it was he got a bridge collapse in America in a Ukrainian blow a fucking reactor. Yeah. He also sorted his fucking issues out of his Oh, so the Mothman legend is a cryptid that lives in the area of Mount Pleasant in West Virginia. It's described as being a human-bird hybrid, larger than a normal man, with a wingspan of 10 feet. Yeah, try fitting that in a Soviet phone box. Grey in colour with red glowing eyes. The Mothman was seen during a period of November 1966 to December 1967, culminating in the collapse of the Silver Bridge, a disaster that killed 46 people. So his numbers are similar, according to the Soviet death toll. <laughs> Last month marked 33 years since the Chernobyl tragedy, and it seems the further time he was away from the event, the stories, folklore and legends continue to captivate and grow. Archaeologist Robert Maxwell, who has completed two field excursions at the exclusion zone, told news.com.au that the legend of the Blackbird of Chernobyl was something he heard about when he was there. Must be true then. Well, it must be. The legend states in the days leading up to April 26th, 1986, that a supernatural creature was sighted in the sky over Chernobyl by many of the men in the control room. They also claimed to have seen this terrifying creature just before the explosion, Maxwell said. And I guarantee you, Yatlov went, There's no creature! Stop procrastinating! <laughs> You're incompetent! I don't believe it! <laughs> it rips out his spine. <laughs> yeah, he's on the floor. <laughs> yeah. He's like spineless and twitching. I don't believe you! <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in you! <laughs> Ow, my spine! But he's, I don't believe he's, in you! He's whipping you with his own spine. <laughs> I don't believe in You're you! You're not real! You stop procrastinating! <laughs> Let me harder! Wow. <laughs> he's, he was that much of a cunt. Mm-hmm. Ah. So according to the legend, rumours went through the ranks of Chernobyl that five employees sit in a large, dark, headless creature with gigantic wings and fire-red eyes. Chernobyl wow. employees began sharing strangely similar experiences. Some had horrifying nightmares, or others received threatening phone calls. Ooh. You've never seen a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> the second account I've heard this story comes from 2007, which says that people in and around the power plant began to experience a series of strange events 
revolving around sightings of a mysterious creature, also described as a large, dark and mutated creature with large wings and piercing red eyes. People affected by the phenomenon also experienced nightmares and had first-hand encounters with the winged beast. Oof. Some of the workers reported their bizarre experiments to supervisors of the facility, but there was very little these officials could do, even if they'd been willing to take action. Then in April, disaster struck, and I'll just refer you back to our little Dyatlov skin back there a second ago. Reaction before the nuclear power plant exploded on April 26th, and two days later the entire city of Pripyat was evacuated. But it was several years later the stories of the Blackbird began to spread. Because the workers apparently described the blackbird as a headless, large, winged black creature with no head, but with fire red eyes. And almost its eyes, then, if I'm going to head. It's, it's, it's buried in its chest. Uh. Basically, it's Brock Lesnar with wings. <laughs> <laughs> Which most people will mean to think the eyes appear in the torso. It sounded very similar to the Mothman sighting of the West. Well, I think Mothman needs to fuck off. Yeah, I'm not a fan of him. Bit of a yeah. <laughs> Sounds of a trap to me. Well, Chernobyl, bridge collapses, threatening phone calls. It all makes sense. Well, it's in all fairness, it's in the Daily Star. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if Mike goes next, I think for my news story, I have a an Alex Jones news story which I feel I should should read out to you all. Okay. Uh, if that's okay. No problem. It's definitely pertinent. The Norwegian island that abolished time. Wow. You can mow the lawn at 4am. Wow. Residents of Someroy, bright 24-7 in summer, say they want to do what we want when we want. Fair enough. The 350 residents of Someroy, in the land of the midnight sun, are hoping to free themselves from the tyranny of the clock by declaring the small Norwegian island the world's first time-free zone. All over the world, people are characterised by stress and depression. Kajel Olev Hvending, the leader of the campaign on the island, west of Tromso and inside the Arctic Circle, told the Norwegian public broadcaster NRK. In many cases, this can be linked to the feeling of being trapped by the clock. We will be a time-free zone where everyone can live their lives to the fullest. Our goal is to provide full flexibility 24-7. If you want to cut the lawn at 4am, then you can do it. Well, that sounds awkward if I'm nice. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get back in at 2 on my shift. Mm. With Ray. Wouldn't it be no and all time? of a sudden, I've got... Oh, yeah. How long am I working for? Good Very question. Good. That's it. There's no time. They can make me stay as long as they have to. There's no time. <laughs> I'm not moving there. No. <laughs> I'm not going there. I like night time. I like night time, it's great. I mean, I don't have my night shift, I finish at two, by sort of four, I'm in bed. All of a sudden, the fucking next door labour's fucking banged his radio, which I was mowing the lawn. Uh, but in another way, it would be liberating, wouldn't it? Yeah, I could see. I suppose they're used to it over there, it would drive me fucking bananas constantly. Like, well. Mm. So, if you fill up of time, <laughs> yeah. Move to Norway. Norway. Fantastic. Well, I'm not down for it. I've got, I've got, this is from CNN. Alex Jones, hit with sanctions by judge in Sandy Hook lawsuit as case gets proposed trial date. A Connecticut judge on Tuesday sanctioned right-wing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones 
for suggesting that a lawyer for the Sandy Hook families, who are suing the InfoWars founder for his past claims that the 20-tell shooting was staged, tried to frame him with child pornography. The ruling, handed down from the Bridgeport Superior Court judge, Barbara Bellis, came after attorneys representing several Sandy Hook families in their lawsuit against Jones filed a motion on Monday asking the judge to review footage of Jones lambasting one of the attorneys in a Friday segment. Bellis called Jones' behaviour on the broadcast, quote, indefensible, unconscionable, and possibly criminal behaviour. Ooh. Bellis sanctioned Jones by denying the defence the opportunity to pursue special motions to dismiss moving forward in the lawsuit. The court will also award attorney's fees and filing fees to the Sandy Hook family's lawyers related to the issue that Jones went off about in his broadcast, which was child pornography that Jones's team inadvertently turned over to the plaintiffs. Jones has been sued by families of Sandy Hook victims in both Texas and Connecticut courts over his past claims that the shooting was staged. He has since acknowledged that the shooting was real. At the hearing, a proposed trial date of November 2020 was settled on by both sides. Jones suggested on a broadcast last Friday that an attorney for the Sandy Hook families tried to frame him by planting child pornography in emails that Jones's team then turned over to the plaintiffs as part of the discovery process. He later backed off the claim. In their Monday court filing, the plaintiffs said they discovered numerous images of child pornography in the cache of discovery document, documents Jones provided them and immediately contacted the FBI. The plaintiffs, however, noted the images had apparently been sent to InfoWars Info email addresses. So in other words, it appeared a person or persons sent the images of child pornography to InfoWars email addresses and then, as part of the discovery process, those emails with the images were turned over to the plaintiffs. It did not appear that Jones or anyone on his team solicited or even had knowledge of those images. Jones's attorney said that an InfoWars broadcast said on an InfoWars broadcast that the FBI was treating Jones as a victim in the case, describing the emails that included the images of child pornography as very hostile towards him. I spoke to federal prosecutors last week, Pattis said on the broadcast. They report that there is no indication anyone at InfoWars knowingly possessed child pornography. In the Monday court filing, the plaintiffs added that it did not appear Jones's team had engaged in even minimal due diligence and actually reviewed the materials yeah, before sending the shit them. They just sent an entire cache of data, probably a hard drive or something, yeah. without thinking to look through. Here it is, all these emails that um, we never opened. Bang them in. Well, Jones is saying, and now, magically, they want metadata out of the hundreds of thousands of emails they got, and they know just where to go. But anyway, so, his arse is, is covered, but he can't help himself. He's got to put the conspiracy spin on it. Of course, and yes. because he's gone on telly and said, they're trying to frame me, a judge has now had to fucking sanction him. Yeah, yeah. And it, she said it's possibly criminal behaviour. So he just can't help. He's constantly thinking of his business, isn't he? And of Absolutely. And rather than just go, look, look, the thing is, he's got, he did have a multi-million pound fucking bid. It's still pretty big. It's still pretty big because they still buy his stuff. Yeah. They still listen to his show. They still listen to the adverts. They still adverts, isn't they? But he, he should have his hand up and go, look, some sick fucker out there who doesn't like me has sent these emails to me as a kind of way of trying to fuck me over. Because once you've sent them to me. 
technically he's in possession of yeah. child pornography, isn't he? Well, he should have then just been honest and said, we didn't know those emails were there, we don't check everything, and stupidly we sent all that data to the... We should have looked through what was on there, we should yeah. have. We've got well, that's my legal team. But instead he's tried spinning it like, they're trying to frame me! And now he's, he's possibly <sighs> in even more trouble but, than he's already in. But if they'd have taken him down, tried to take him down at his peak, mm. he'd have had a better legal team. Very true. Well, he's probably running on cheap, though, isn't he? He's trying to get the best he can for the money. Because, yes, he's still raking a lot of cash, but mm. it's not what he was raking in by no. a long shot. I mean, Alex has got to be, what, a hundred, uh, hundred millionaire? Mm. One of hundreds of millions? Well, he a, was, every year. I mean, he got rid of a lot of staffers who've gone on to uh, their own thing now. His lawyers have similar over here with just being negligent basically but yeah. I just thought it was important like that's where he is at the moment so he's not because uh, I was a bit worried he's going to be labelled and dragged over the coals to the point where we can't associate with him but it doesn't seem that way it's fairly obvious what's happened he's just not fucking helping himself with the everything's a fucking conspiracy isn't it oh, so I was the lawyers are trying to frame me no your lawyers suck at their fucking yeah. job <laughs> and didn't check what they were sending your lawyers are shit uh, Okay, so, full Alex, mm. the game show. Mike finds us a couple of random weirdos on the net. He pits them against the arch-saint of insanity himself, Alex Jones. Mm. And, at this point, not a pedo. <laughs> so, we decide who's gone more batshit insane. Yeah. So, let's see who well, goes forward. Remember to tell them, Ben, it's, it's okay. Oh, it's okay to go a little bit, Alex. Yeah. Three, a quarter Alex, mm. half Alex. Three quarters of Alex on a train, but never full <laughs> ever, Alex. Never go full <laughs> never, Alex. Never go full Alex. Were you trying to get crazy with this thing? Don't you know I'm local? Okay, so here we got Mike. First up, Dave Dad Mike. Okay. Oh, coach! Coach Dave. Oh, oh, he's a prick. <laughs> That's what he's going to say. He says that it's sexual abuse for women to lead on men. Oh, right. Oh, God. Okay. But what would be going on in America today if, if Judge Kavanaugh went before the cameras and said, uh, "Yeah, you know what? That did happen when I went back back there. That did happen, but it didn't happen the way that she said it happened." Uh, let me tell you something. She was in there taking on about any boy that wanted to come in there. And if I remember this right, I wasn't the only guy in there. There were a bunch of them, and I'm not proud of it, but I'm telling you, she was giving it out like candy. Now, that would, Joe, Doug, that would be a, uh, boy, they would scream and holler, wouldn't they? they say, oh, my goodness, you're, you're disparaging her character and all that kind of stuff. We, there is such a double standard that's going on in America, and it's happened because, truthfully, most men in particular, we're scared of women. We're scared of them. Uh, we don't want to fight with them. That's what the title of my commentary today is we have to learn once again to fight like girls. Instead of, you know, I used to say, oh, you, you throw like a girl. Now we got to say, man, we, we got to fight like the girls because, man, they're vicious. They're vicious. They don't, not not all girls. I'm married to one. I got two, two oh, beautiful yeah. daughters. But you understand what I'm talking about. That Jezebel feminist spirit, brother, that is one of the most powerful ones out there. And uh, be honest with you, right now, that spirit is eating men alive. 
I, I, by the way, I love it. News with views. Uh, Coach Dave Dunmire has a column there. News with views. It's, start, it's time to start fighting like the girls, uh, which was published today. Hey, folks, you got to read this. You, you got to read this. In fact, we're going to put a link up in the program description box. And, and uh, Joe, if we could put this up on Hagman Report, at least the first paragraph, and link it back to News with views. Uh, yeah, brilliant article. Um, because see, the, the girls want to be equal, don't they, Joe? They, yeah. they want to be equal. They don't really want to be equal. They they, they want to be equal in employment, and they want to be equal in responsibility, but, man, they don't want to be equal sexually. Oh, no, 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 no. And I know that I'm speaking for uh, for many males who are watching and listening to this show right now. How about all the time that when you were a teenage girl and some girl got you, uh, boy, she just led you on, led you in, on, and then all of a sudden pulled the the plug every every guy that has blood thrown blown through his body had that ha- happen isn't that sexual abuse as well well if, if in this game of sex back and forth men and women equal I, I don't i don't get it anymore how only men can be the aggressor only men can be the offenders uh no brothers we got to stand up we're going to say uh when I, this 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 doesn't flush we're not going to let this happen we're not going to we're not going to live by this double standard I'm going to say Dave got knocked back a lot when he was a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably what you could do. Take on that, yeah. Got knocked back a lot maybe till he met his wife. Maybe he was... Well, he, he suffered did. a lot of blue balls when he was young. Uh, I think he did. <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> oh, man. Then again, being a devout Christian, I'll guarantee he's probably a chronic masturbator as well. Because it's bigger than front, bigger than Mac. Just showed a, 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 a large misunderstanding of, you know... I think it's they want they want equal rights, but they fuck better. Mm. Or they fuck more. Or they don't want to fuck. I mean, we've all equal rights. We've all true of all of that. Where we've been led on by a girl. Mm. Of course, we've we've all had that in our teenage years. Some women have hardly sexual abuse. No, no. Some, some women. <laughs> it's different to be raping it. You yeah. know what I mean? No, because yeah, if they say no, us being all three good-natured males here, we go okay. Yeah. There you go. Well. Some women have done some quite horrific things to me over the years, but I don't. I blame it on them as a human being. It's not like yeah, oh, spirit because she was a woman, and so they must all be. No, there's a massive yeah, variation. That, way, in that way leads to serial killing. Yeah, and I think that's the issue here. I think Coach Dave could be a serial killer. It's all about hate. Coach Dave's just got some serious resentment towards women because, like you say, he, he's been knocked back. He's been embarrassed. He didn't get. He didn't pop mm. his cherry until he was getting married. But you'd think if he's a married that? man. Did he say he's got daughters? Yes, yeah. So you're a married man with daughters, and these are your attitudes towards women. What did he call it? The feminist Jezebel spirit. Yeah. Well, I've pity your daughters. I really. Oh, do. they're probably teenage exorcists. Mm. <laughs> They'll be on. Smack. Oh, they will be. They'll be on smack one day. Well, fuck that guy. Who's next? Next up, Jim Baker or Backer. Jim Baker. Well, we'll go with Jim Backer. Okay. Says that Christians <laughs> must pray for Trump because, quote, we're so close to the Bible being illegal. Right. This is a returning favourite of ours, so let's see what he's going to say. The thing is, though, the Bible's not close to being illegal. No, but it is in his mind. Oh, let's and see. All those other... It's fear-mongering, isn't it? It's uh, fear-mongering. Let's hear his justifications. Yeah. We just had a whole day of prayer for President Trump. Now, I believe God's going to answer that prayer. I do, too. How do you pray for President Trump? 
and his family. Mm -hmm. Well, I pray every day for them. So I, I pray every, every day. day. I think a lot sure. of believers yeah. do. Yes. The Bible commands us to do that. Yes. I pray that God will give him wisdom, that the spirit of wisdom and might will be upon him from Ephesians 1. Oh, I pray for his wisdom. protection. Amen. I pray for peace for him. I pray that God will give his mind peace. Can you imagine? No, I really can't. The onslaughter. What he, I know you're going. Oh, sorry. No, please. No, do. really. What, please do. what this man's going through. Please do. Not one. It's supernatural. What yeah. he's taking. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. How he is standing and yeah. how he just keeps railing it. back. Yeah. 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 This is the yeah. council too. Yes, yes, he does. I mean, yeah. more. Of he we have, you know, we have like you probably some kind of inside uh, information yes. on things that are going That's on. Should be John Wood doing on tell You know, we always kind of hold up some of the former. Republican presidents, you right, know, right, like Reagan. Yeah, and he far surpasses most of them. Far surpasses most of them in terms of the godly counsel he has around him that he listens to. Mm -hmm. You would never think it when he first started running for office. Who would have ever thought that we would have a president that who would so surround himself with right. godly counsel? Mm -hmm. Would never. And so yeah. there's how, a how blessing that came from that. The controversial. See if you believe in that. Trump, who uses language that we don't like sometimes. But we're seeing him become more and more godly. Yeah. You know, we're seeing him like <laughs> reading back in school. That's right. Come on. That's right. Bible Come reading on. back in school. Is that your best Come on. That the church has been it's stolen from the church. He's wanting to restore. Yeah. yeah. He wants to restore the dignity and power to the church. Yeah. And, and not take the Bible away. Right. We're so close. They, they don't get this. But we're so close to the Bible being illegal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, wow. Wow. That was... Um, How can you, on the one hand, start saying that this president's more godly than any of the others, he's bringing everything back, he's really godly. Did you know we are so close to the Bible being illegal? Oh, no, but he's yeah. a shit president then, isn't he? Because he's not... He's obviously, but surely he's, he's in charge of yeah. that. But Trump's like the most ungodly man ever. Oh, he's like, of course he's he like, is. He's had like three divorces, he's his third wife. So he's only like his third, fourth wife. He pisses and on sex he pisses workers. He pisses on sex workers <laughs> on a Russian, in a Russian hotel, allegedly. He walks into pre-teen fucking beauty shows. Well, they're all naked. They're all naked. They're not a look at them. go up at them. I mean, he said, godly, he, he said that he'd, you know, if, if his daughter wasn't his daughter, he'd certainly have a bit. He grabs her by the pussy. He grabs her by the pussy. You couldn't get... <laughs> A more unchrist-like figure. Nobody is more religious than me. Nobody. But, uh, well, because but, he does their bidding, because he knows yeah. a massive part of his base. And the, the worst part of this is, let's, let's all forget. That's why he changed Jerusalem to the capital of Israel. Forget Trump. Trump's not the fucking issue. He's an idiot. Yeah. It's Pence you've got to fucking mm. watch. He's the guy that... Be Trump doesn't believe this shit. He's just the guy that... He's like, well, these are my power base. Fuck it. That's yeah. why I've got Pence as VP. Pence is an ideologue and Trump isn't. He hasn't yeah. got any ideas in his head at all. Trump's just after a bit of fucking cash. Dear God, it's me, Donald. <laughs> Please, let me grab him by the pussy. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. <laughs> by the way, I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so... Yeah. The, the, the Bible... 
we're so close to the point we're going to be illegal. No, you fucking Absolutely not. Alex, fear no, mongering I mean, shite. Oh, man, he's winning it. The minute unless yeah. Alex is gonna pull something Let's that's see fucking bad. It's, it's, it's not even on insanity, it's just on pure bullshit. Mm-hmm. My bullshit meter is is redlining. Oh yes. It's like them three point nine nine readings in Chernobyl. Because <laughs> <laughs> the scale only went up that far. <laughs> My scale only got well, so far. Alex, you never He's know. redlining it. He might fucking blow your entire meter he up. Me Let's he see what happens. <laughs> Alex Jones is dressed as the Joker in a special broadcast. Oh wow. wow. This isn't insane, is it? No. Oh. He's a shit joker as well. <laughs> a fat joker. I think it's even the Joker, and he's poisoning different cosmetics as binary weapons that then mix together to poison people, and then he's got a drug company that sells them the cure. And in that very speech in that, they've got the famous actor in there, before he talks to him, he says, yeah, just like we staged the Gulf of Tonkin and other terror attacks, and then the villain goes, yes, well, now I'm poisoning the different products, and when they combine them together, it poisons them! That was people 15 years ago or whenever that movie came out. It's got the guy who gives him the gold watch in the Pulp Fiction. What's that guy's name? Which Batman is that? That's Batman 2. Hermes, look at you in there. Go find out which one that is and give me the name. God, Christopher a Walken, it's that one. He okay. talks about the Gulf of Tonkin. Now they're poisoning the food and water. They love letting you know the Jokers love the little inside joke. They enjoy it so much. It's so good. You will be cowards and lie to yourselves and decide that this isn't real. But for those of you out there that don't think this is a joke, for those of you that understand that criminals are running the asylum, that they want to have a blood feast on us like they had in communist China, 60 plus million, and Soviet Russia, 50 plus million, and Hitler, 40 plus million, total dead, including 20 million Germans. If you want to be part of this blood feast, you are invited to dinner, but on the table like a suckling hog. If you don't want to be part of this, you got to get active and aggressive. And the scumbag psycho elites don't like what's happening because they're not just hunting us in our water and food now and openly announcing they're terraforming to cause droughts and floods that run us into submission to them. They're now getting scared because all over the world, from China to France to England, from Canada to the United States, finally the drugged out, brainwashed masses are going to every town hall, Republican and Democrat, and shouting them down and Obama's goons, his thugs, his Joker crew are beating them up and screaming the N-word as they beat up blacks that don't serve Obama, the eugenics master. And the people are rising up and saying, no, the United States is on the verge of peaceful revolution. And so the elites are going to try to, why do you think they've geared up this giant police state and this giant grid? Why do you think they're going to use the stage flu outbreak as a pretext to bring in martial law and control if we don't get the word out and stop them? <laughs> oh, yes! It's your choice out there what you're going to do. It's your decision if you're going to be part of this. Get out there and get these flyers and get them out to everybody you know right now. Plaster them everywhere. We'll see how the New World Order and how the establishment likes that. And go out to every city council meeting. Don't just go to these congressman meetings. Go to city council where it's live on cable and live on TV. And go to public press conferences of the governors. And go to the mayor's press conferences. Look on their schedules. Show up everywhere. Don't let them put out their facade. Their clown makeup and everything's funny and okay when it's not. Don't let them sit there and run their scam. 
programs go to all their events and peacefully as your right as free human beings take over those events with truth and justice there's more of us out there than I are these little bastard jokers these little greedy bastards that want to control the whole future of society and destiny go to infowars.com and click on the big banner and buy my shit now as much as I love Joaquin Phoenix that Joker trailer and I do I think that's going to be a fucking great film Alex, for he's me, the best is, is the best Joker in the fucking world. He's better than Jack Nicholson. He's better than Jack Nicholson, who is my personal favourite Joker. And he's me. better than Heath Ledger, who's my favourite psychotic clown. Mm. And he's better than Joaquin Phoenix, who's wow. about to become my new favourite. The society's crushed me to become this killer got, clown. I got really lost there. So did I. I had Somewhere no, in the middle. Thing is. We've got to stay focused. Bullshit baffles brains. Mm-hmm. Alex is bullshit. He's the master of it. Of course he is. But this is bullshit. He's dressed the Joker, so we've all got his attention on him because we all love the Joker. Mm. Well, I think Rick. I think Jim Backer. Yeah. Jim Backer. Yeah. And his little crew there mm. are more batshit insane. Alex is performing there. Yeah, but he's also... He's going insane, don't get me wrong. He's performing, but he's also writing the performance. Every word that he just spouted came from his own mind that he made it's up on the spot. I don't know, man. I don't think it's scripted. Some of it is. He's got like key words. This is why I'm always... Like, it's, like, he's got key words, what? at least. No, I think he is that good of a speaker. He knows where he's going in the show. He knows what he wants to talk about. But that rant there, that wasn't scripted. But a script it was a script. He's doing an entire skit as the Joker. But a script writer could sit down and try and write that and not come close. He is incredibly talented at being an orator and at just ranting. He's a Democrat. He never pauses and goes, um. um well, he, uh, he does. He just, uh, well, no. Fuck. Mate. Not often, but he does. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He fills his pauses with like <laughs> flexing and grunting. The skill. <laughs> that's his fucking thing, man. He's, he's just turned err. Uh, look, I'm not doing that. I'm a red-blooded American. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. Is, you take the piss out of him all you want. You cannot take away from the, 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 the man's yeah, fucking cannot. skill. Is a skilled speaker. But, but, and my my response to you, sir, is and if he didn't. Have the Joker makeup on? Would you have taken that as seriously? I don't take. I don't think anything ever. <laughs> no, 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 His performance. But I think the makeup added to that. We're oh, watching yeah, it. The listener is. But how many but, times have we watched? He does this for hours yeah, and a, hours a day, just just fucking verbal diarrhea. But so to get on track, my point is, he wrote all of that. So although it might be a performance and an act. He's a fucking nut job for thinking that way and for being able to to tie all those fucking loose ends together and make it all about basically selling his channel and his product. Yeah. But he's got it for me anyway, sweet. He, he's You're got- going, Alex? I'm going, Jim. I think Jim's got that. It's not just Jim, it's the entire insane panel with him. Mm. They're just agreeing with his bullshit and brainwashing the masses, trying to take a cut of that money. With Jim, they're all vying for that cut. With Alex, he knows he's got it. They're trying to beat the crazy, whereas Alex has already got it. Well, if it's who's the most 
crazy, then I think he's got to be Jim Backer. I actually believe some of the stuff he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was the worst part. Of it. Yeah. At some points, not all of it, but three percent of that. The poisoning of the food and the yeah, water. Yeah, exactly. We know that happens. Yeah, he was kind of making sense. Yeah. You're like, whoa, fuck. And they make us six, they can make profit off us. We yeah. know that happens. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know? I mean, I don't agree with the whole big farmer scandal thing, but I do agree that we are fed foods that make us ill. Well, well maybe uh, because it's cheaper. They just put yeah, shit in there. Yeah, if it was salt and sugar, it'd be fine. Yeah. Take the shit taste away. Make it taste nice, sell, yeah. sell more. Yeah. Well, so I, then there's part of me so, who actually believes what he says. So yeah, that was the worst part. But the fact that the Bible is so close to being a <laughs> yeah. in America <laughs> is bullshit. Yeah. All of bullshit. <laughs> I call massive. I call. I call elephant dung. That's what I call. I don't call bullshit. I call elephant dung. Like, like a Pokemon. It, yeah. Jim's got it. Let's wrap. Jim, this bad boy. Up. You know, hold on to your Bible. Hold on to your Bible. That'd <laughs> be illegal. Yeah, be illegal. Don't let them take it from you. <laughs> yeah, well, and the fact that the, the, the woman said that Trump was more than <laughs> the other day. Yes. Okay. Hey, put it, it, it was the panel that I think won it for me as well as Jim. Yeah. Jim charged at the end with some some insanity. Some but, but, uh, yeah, the panel won it for me as well. It was a, bit, a little bit unfair because he's got like four people say the side of him and Alex is just there dressed in shit clone makeup. But, yeah. Okay, well, I've been Ben. I'm going to say thanks for listening. Don't think the flavour aid and don't join the cult. Uh, especially Gazers. Hey. Well, if you don't want to join my cult, what you could do instead is... Don't send any money. Go to YouTube and subscribe to Sewage Pipe Gaming and watch me play some incredibly shit games. Oh, you can do that. That's fine. Think of the shittest game you know. And I'm playing shitter ones, trust me. <laughs> I've watched a few of them, they're very good. Cheers, Mr. Gravit Mr. Gravitational. Mr. Gravitational. <laughs> Gravitational. <laughs> so Robot shark. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually watched a bit of Transformers 1986 last night. That's uh, one of the good ones, actually. Oh, oh the movie. Oh, yeah, the movie. The I wanted to show um, Mike Anthony for years. I was like, mm. we were watching, just random watching random shit on YouTube. I was like, it's really good. Mike, we've got to watch the start of Transformers. Yeah. I've got to see Optimus Battle Megatron. Yeah. It's awesome. I know that yeah. movie pretty much line for line. So yeah, Sewage Pipe Gaming, I'd really appreciate it. And also while you're there, Don't the, the podcast has a band, Solar Warden. Go to Solar Warden Music, subscribe to that one as well. And that would be fucking lovely. And join my cult. Don't join so cult. I've been Gaz, Free Biff Tannen, and see you next week. I've been Mike, thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. Are you a Padawan still? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm still saying the phrase. <laughs> <laughs>